the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chiefs Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks! Pressure, and he just dives in! All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home and welcome back, J.C. Schubert, and welcome all of you. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is very proudly presented by our friends at Chicken Cock Whiskey, served by them as well, and we sure as heck can't wait to get our hands on that starting tomorrow. We're kicking off a fine, fun weekend, hopefully, in Columbia, South Carolina, where the Gamecocks and the Gators will Scramble around on the football field Saturday afternoon at 3.30. We're built by the thebarndominiumco.com, or the Barndoco as they're called. They are fine Gamecocks themselves, owned and operated, as a matter of fact. Garnet in black colors, they fly. If you are looking to build your dream home in the Carolinas, Georgia, or in Tennessee, the Barndoco, that's who you want to call. Just check out the website. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's amazing stuff, and um, honored to be partners with them. And very happy to be live always in the Signorama studios. Thanks to another great Gamecock, Mr. Matt Vaughn. They are the preferred sign partners of Carolina. Coming up here in just a moment, Perry Orth, our quarterback, will join us. We'll also be joined today by Chris Filtz from the Spurs Up Show. And the Golden Tones will be in around noon. Mike Morgan, that is, uh, for the rest of the program. The Fab Five challenges today. So Mike and JC and, and Phil were feeling bad for themselves uh, because I missed, you know, a week of Fab Five, and, and I've been kicking everyone's rear end. So they decided to pile five more on me this week. So I guess I'll just have to go 10-0 and 0 and then sign my signature next week and get the hell out of here. I'll be, I'll be done after the 10-0 and 0 performance this week, Mad Dog, JC. So um, just kind of a heads up. That's coming, okay? I don't know. Let's hope. Yeah, I mean, you know. We'll see. We'll see. You wait a second, Phil. I wanted that. to start. I asked well, if we could start doing it by percentages at this point because I'm actually running out of screen space on the uh, on the little thing and with the push that we had that one week that you were out. I'm kind of glad yeah. you weren't part of the push week because then I'd have just it would be it would just look like a whole line of messy numbers and not really make any sense to anybody. <laughs> well, I'm gonna spank all of you again this week. Um, <laughs> we'll talk more about that as I know that uh, Perry's in before. As we as we as we 
pump up the Perry Orth segment. Phil, show us your uh, coffee mug. Please. Oh, hey, yeah. Listen. I mean, and I didn't buy that for myself, gentlemen. Someone else thinks that of me. Number one, dad. <laughs> Very deserving. Very deserving. Hey, well, Terry's going to be a dad soon as well, so we'll have to send him a number one dad uh, coffee mug. Without further ado, though, our quarterback. Here you are. Gamecock fans, it's time for Inside the Playbook with former Carolina quarterback Perry Orth on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Part of the Chief Sports Network. That's what I'm talking about. The fleet footed future father. There's a lot of F's in there. Carrie Orth. Uh, so I saw a photo from a, the, I think I retweeted it, baby shower at uh, Cardinal Newman. Hats off to the Cardinal Newman family for taking care of you, man. It's awesome. Um, I guess that's what I'd get for cursing their kids out every day at practice. I'm <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, well, respect, dude. No, I'm uh, I'm super super blessed to be over there. They're good folks, and um, they've taken care of me and Shannon and our little girl that's coming in December. Um, so yeah, they great great um, great school, great people. Um, uh, Charles Assey's the uh, I guess they'll call him. I always say in the business term, president. He's the principal. Um, assistant to the headmaster. He really runs the show day to day. Will Udy's the athletic director, great guy, uh, runs an unbelievable athletic program, but also a soccer program, if not the best in the entire state, regardless of private public. And then we're just chasing his coattails. Philip Dieter does a great job with the uh, the basketball program over there. And then um, Coach Assey, he did a great job when he was baseball coach. Um, and then we're, you know, we're playing catch up with football. So having a really good season though, man, it's been fun, but yeah, great, great parents um, and great community over there at Cardinal Newman. You, you let, you let Mangus get the best of you last week, huh? I did. I did. We, um, we had an unbelievable yeah. game. It was, an, yeah. it was a great football game, just a great high school game. We, uh, we had a turnover at the 50 that cost us, in my opinion, a, a potential touchdown. And then we had a bad snap at the one when we were down seven, nothing snap went over the quarterback's head. Um, and uh, we ended up losing, um, unfortunately, but when I mean, we made it 14, 14, it got to 21, 20. Um, we just couldn't pull it out at the end, but you know, you have the ball twice inside the 10 and come away with zero points. Um, I don't care who you play. You're going to lose doing that, especially when you're playing, the number one team um, in our league in the state, 
Um, and I told you guys last week, Jeff Barnes and John Wheeler, they do about a, as good a job as anybody in the state, regardless of classification. Um, it was the first time that a John Wheeler coached defense had given up more than seven to a Skiza school. Whoa. So the fact that we had the ability to potentially put 35 on the board were, you know, no moral victories, but we're pleased with where we're going. That's just how good of a defensive coordinator and uh, play caller he is. Um, he coached at Wofford. I mean, the dude really should be coaching. He should be a DC somewhere in college. Um, but unfortunately he's coaching at our rival school, um, but he does an amazing job. And then, you know, Jeff Barnes is, he, he has done as athletic director about as good of a job as anybody in the state. Um, Hammond, you know, it's not just football. I mean, every, pretty much every sport they're, they're darn good at. And, uh, you know, we came up short. Our goal is to hopefully see him again and get another crack at him. Great little environment over there at Hammond. They got the lights going just like uh, at Williams Bryce. Um, it's, it's pretty awesome for high school to have, you know, the interchanging reflecting lights like that was, uh, it was a great atmosphere. I heard a rumor there was 5,000 people at the game. Um, it was an unbelievable crowd environment, high school game. We just came up short and GA called a great game. They, uh, they struggled throwing it, but he stuck to his guns in the run. And, um, you know, we had a hard time getting their, their two big backs on the ground, but I think that if we play them again, I think that we'll have a better showing on both sides of the ball and make make for a better game. Well, if y'all play them again, I'm making an executive decision here. We're going to get GA in here with you on. And let we got just, to. We absolutely. Know. If we play again, I will. I will call GA and we will get on here together. Oh yeah, and uh, he'll do it. We need to do he it. Anyway. He loves this show. Yeah, honestly, we need to do it anyway. He's. Um, I mean, he's he's as good of a play caller. I mean, they just have a hell of a staff at Hammond. They, I don't think their their administration and their parents realize like who they have coaching that foot. Like that staff could be coaching a Division One college staff. It could yeah. be. Um, so, you know, we have our hands cut out, but you know, we're not too bad at coaching, and we got some good players too. And I think the next time we uh, we face them, it'll be another tight football game. Well, you know. Congratulations! You dish you you pulled a Coach Spurrier just a minute ago. Did anybody catch that? He 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 gave us a history lesson. Steve was always good about telling you the first time of something happening, and uh, Perry did it just a minute ago with uh with uh with, yeah. With, first, I'll tell you another first. The first time that they've had a fourth a game be competitive in the fourth quarter against Hammond ever at Cardinal <laughs> Newman. That's just incredible. Well, this that and the other, you know. First time they've been six and zero too. You should have thrown the ball downfield, Perry. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You missed Jarrell. You missed Jarrell on that pop pass. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, speaking Man. of Steve, he'll be in town for the Jacksonville State game yeah. uh, because they will be honoring the greatest generation of Gamecock football, 2010 to 2013. On top of that greatest generation, today the SEC has announced its 2023 SEC football legends class. The University of South Carolina gives you goosebumps to even think about it. Will be represented this year by Marcus Lattimore uh, uh, for the Gamecocks in the 2023 SEC Legends class. I know that Marcus is taking a little bit of a different road now out in Oregon, um, doing doing his own thing. But um, I think there is not a human on earth that watched Carolina football that can't appreciate what he did for the university um, as a person and a football player. So congratulations to Marcus Lattimore 
for being yeah. South Carolina's representative in the 2023 SEC legend football legends class. That is really, really amazing stuff. Um, all right, uh, Perry, uh, speaking of Lattimore, he shoved it up the Gators' butts in 2010 down in the swamp. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Steven Garcia that night just embarrassed Florida after they took the opening kickoff 100 yards, but it was South Carolina that would escape as the SEC Eastern Division champions that evening. None of that is on the line this week, but I do think what's on the line this week in this game, Perry, is the trajectory of the rest of the season for both squads. Uh, if Carolina drops this game, it, it they're not done. They've only played six. They've got six more games to play. I understand that, but it, it is hard to look at the schedule and find enough wins to feel comfortable about you know, taking the next step and building the program. Same thing with Florida. They've got a really tough road to hoe uh, starting this weekend up here in Columbia. Shane Beamer's 2-0 and coming off of bye weeks in Columbia, hoping to make that 3-0. and So, you know, we heard yesterday Mr. Offensive Coordinator uh, Dowell Loggins talking about 69, uh, 69. There were 69 plays that he did not like from the Tennessee game that he went back because of something, you know, somewhere or something. Somebody did this, that, and the other. And so they really took a, a deep dive in the self-scouting department last week. Um, what what does that mean? What what does all that mean? What do they, what do they do? And then how does that transition to getting ready for the game this week and the rest of the year? I think self-scouting is almost as important as preparation for a new game. I think that you have to watch film on yourself as if you are an opponent. Because all you do when you watch film is you try to pick up tendencies, right, that you can exploit when you compete against the other team. Well, you know, if he sees something that is not getting done or he sees a tendency that he has, you know, you want to correct it. Uh, The other thing, I don't know how many offensive plays they had, but it sounds like they had a lot and sounds like they had a lot of errors. I think more is less. I think repping plays. Um, is more advantageous than more install just because at the end of the day, the goal, I was telling our kids this yesterday, our, our goal as coaches is to educate and train you all to run and execute the play that is called. I saw a great um, tweet that was a quote from Lincoln Riley talking about why uh, Mike Leach called four verts, the, the pass play, four verticals, right? Everybody runs not it's not just everybody run deep and you launch it right but you you have certain rules on that play right you get a high corner on the outside you can convert to a comeback right if if uh, the middle of the field is open somebody's got to run that bender the cover two post to get in the middle if it's a closed middle you stay a yard outside the hash so you have separation between you know the inside and outside receivers and the safety so he would rep that over and over and over again Because if you do your job on that play, someone's going to be open depending upon the coverage that's called. So it's the guys learning how to rep a play positively and then ultimately making contested catches and contested plays where you have somebody there and you got somebody else um, in the way. Um, Mm -hmm. So finding a way to, um, you know, finding a way to, uh, to navigate, you know, that as a as a coach is is really the goal and is the challenge. Well, all right. So we'll, we'll get more into the 
X's and O's uh, in just a in just a few minutes uh, of this ball game because I do want to ask you a little bit uh, about Billy Napier's offense as well. It's an it's an interesting ordeal. Um, but now that they are essentially halfway through the year, Perry, you play five games, you take a take a bye week. That's that's uh, pretty much halfway through the season. Uh, what what have we learned that maybe we didn't know in your mind uh, before going into the North Carolina game about this team? What did we not know? Man, that's a great question. Um, honestly, you know, some of the a lot of the projections and the uh, assumptions of the team have kind of they've played out who they are. I think they're tougher than maybe some people have given them credit for. I think they play, you know, Coach Beamer doesn't get enough credit because, you know, he's he doesn't come across like to the media as like big like, hey, we're going to just run out and be physical and blah, blah, blah. But I think all of his teams, they play with a chip. They play physical. I think. You know, we have struggled in the run in the past, but it's never due to guys being soft or not playing with great effort or great intensity. Um, I really enjoy how our guys play. Um, I enjoy, you know, you can't help, you know, some mistakes here and there, but all in all, they do play um, a very physical brand of football. And I think that was shown, you know, when they went to Athens and Tennessee is such a tricky place, man. You never know when those fans are going to be fired up. You never know when they're going to be, <clears throat> excuse me, clicking on all cylinders. Uh, we just kind of, I think we caught them at a bad time. Much much like how Kentucky caught Georgia last week. Kentucky was playing damn good football. And they just kind of ran into a buzzsaw. Georgia played extremely well. Kentucky didn't play well. Caught them at home at night. And, um you know, that that right there is why it is so difficult to win in this conference, because, yeah, you might go and kick Florida's rear end and be feeling real good about yourself. But then it always just finds a way, you know, you win a big game at home and then it's like the next game can't just be at home. It's always on the road at freaking Georgia or Tennessee or LSU or A&M or somebody like that. Um, and you just can never really catch a break. Well, that's very true. Unfortunately, it's been true too many times over the years. Um, for the Gamecocks. All right, so when they line up against uh, the Gators this weekend, um, you know, they've been pretty good coming out of bye weeks the last couple of years under Shane uh, Perry. Last year yep. – last year? Yeah, last year is when Xavier, as we learned, J.C., in Mount Pleasant, Leggett, Xavier Leggett, uh, took a shoe off and then decided to run 100 yards for a touchdown on a kickoff. Um, I did remind him that uh, when we met him that day, he, you are allowed to take that ball with to the house with two shoes on if you'd like, but you don't have to. Um, so, you know, they, they've been pretty good in, in, from that standpoint. Um, I, look, I, I think that there is – the running game last week outside of Mario Anderson's 75-yard bust for a touchdown What really struggled. It, it, just, it just wasn't good, uh, Perry, but – if there's essentially 70 running plays that Dowell Loggins feels like are, you know, capable of being cleaned up, you know, I'm just trying to do math here. Like, let's say you get about 20 of those cleaned up. Carolina's probably three and two, if not better at this point in time. So I guess what I'm getting at here, because we don't know specifically what he was looking at, what I'm getting at here is I, although they've had some some tough moments, and they've all been on the road, I might add. I'm not really sure that, that they're that far off. Like, I think that this team is really, really capable. And you feel like it's just, it's like, oh, man, you're here and you're here. Gosh, if we just get these two Legos together, man, we're going to have a nice-looking city. That's yeah, I, um, 
I made a statement to um, somebody the other day about the two things. I want to answer kind of both of your statements and questions. Number one, they do a phenomenal job coming out of the bye week. Um, whether it's bye week opening game, which unfortunately didn't go our way, do I think they were not prepared? No, I just don't think that we won the football game. And bowl game, again, we lost to Notre Dame. Do I think we were well prepared and played a hell of a game? Yes. They, they come out of these extended coaching periods um, ready to play, and that is a testament of the quality of coaches that we have here. Um, the second thing goes back to what I said after we lost week one let these guys coach and develop and get ready to continue to progress the team throughout the remainder of the season. We've played better in November every year under coach Beamer. We're almost mid October. We get a win here. I, I like, I like our, I like how our schedule shakes out in the back half of the season. A&M on the road is a really hard game. Can we win? No question about it, but then you got Vanderbilt, uh, Kentucky, um, Missouri, Clemson, all of these games are winnable. It's not like, oh, we better get lucky. Like you can win, you can just play good and win, right? Um, and I fully expect them to play extremely well down the back half, but I, <clears throat> let these guys coach and develop and get this program and this team this season um, to where they want to go. I think those minor little, we did this here, that here, um, Hopefully, hopefully they're mental and they can be just corrected by repetition and film study. Um, but I really do. Uh, I, I, I like and this will be the last thing I'll say about that is I like what Coach Beamer said. I know everybody wants the win now mentality and he does, too. Um, I saw this the other day on social media. Um, but this is a six year rebuild. He is taking over a true six year. And why is it six years? Well, you know, you could say five or six, but. You have to change a culture. You have to get your guys in and the other guys out. Um, and without turning over our roster, maybe like Dion did, it's going to take a couple years to get them out. It's going to take a couple years to get kids in to buy in. And then it's going to take another couple recruiting classes to get difference makers and programs. In depth. In, in depth. depth, correct. But you're, you know, you need you need difference makers. You need playmakers that can make one guy miss and take it to the take it to the house. And right now, uh, we don't have tons of those all over the field. We have a few pieces here and there that can certainly help. Um, but you look at the future of our program, um, you know, the offense and defensive line, the recruiting they've done is um, unbelievable. Cool. They have an absolute stud in waiting at quarterback. Um, and if you can return a coach, a good quarterback and you're good on both fronts guys you got a shot to have a really good team every single year and um i'm not hitting the panic button <clears throat> when i when i hit the panic button um everybody else should but until that happens i'm keep doing what they're doing i mean yeah like i said last week the best i thought we'd be after this point is three and two realistically just because playing georgia and tennessee on the road to say that we're going to go there and win you know, you believe that as a competitor, right? But as a college football fan now and sitting back on a reclining chair and looking at the schedule, um, yeah, you would you would have probably pegged this team at three and two. Now, you open up the back half of the schedule and you say, hey, we can really go out and win out or potentially drop one more and finish nine and three. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, it's, uh, or I guess, technically eight and four. So it it's all there for the taking. I think that we're going to play really, really, really good football on Saturday. Can I, I, I want to, um, Phil and I talked a little bit about this yesterday, and I really want to use your, your knowledge to expand on this. So we've, um, we have ever, just as you always do in sports, when a phrase or a term comes out that nobody has really ever heard of, they start talking about it. And then that kind of, you know, it turns into everybody thinks they know what they're talking about. They don't, um, this thing that they call the extension of the run game, which is throwing passes kind of out in the flat horizontally, moving yourselves down the field. Um, you know, it, it has been discussed by, by Shane, it's been discussed by Dowell, um, that, you know, because of inefficiencies up front, they've really had to use a, a lot of these type of plays to try to continue to move themselves, uh, down the field, Perry. And even in, in instances where you probably don't really want to do that, like on third and, and long, um, which, which, you know, leads it back to, it's, it's very crucial to have a run game to try to get you into third and short or third and manageable, but, that's for another day. So uh, I know in the Tennessee game, there were there were multiple plays, and, and not all of these are necessarily on the offensive line. Some of them, Spencer probably could have gotten it out a little bit earlier, maybe made a different decision. You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. Yeah. But um, but people ask the question, hey, it's third and nine. Why are you throwing it seven yards? Throw it past the sticks. To me, that makes absolute sense. Of course it does. But Dow Loggins was also explaining, hey, look, because of who we are up front at times, We've got to find a way to get the ball out of our quarterback's hands and into the hands of somebody who's capable of making a play. Can you just – I'm not asking you to question Coach Loggins or any of the play call. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you're sitting in the booth as an offensive coordinator and you have been managing the football game, you have been absorbing all this information, <laughs> diagnosing everything that you studied coming into the week based on, plus the information you've got at hand on what you're seeing on the field. Talk about the process of making that decision uh, so we can all kind of understand just what it's like on game day, trying to do the best you can to keep the sticks moving. Yeah, I actually agree 1000% with what coach Dell said. Um, just because it's third and nine doesn't mean you have to throw it 10 yards, right? Mm-hmm. You eventually, uh, you have to trust your players that you recruited or maybe not recruited, but that your coaching have the capabilities at this level to make the first guy miss. It's not going to happen every time, but you're a lot of times you're not going to have uh, time in the pocket to drop back and throw 15 yard routes, right? Even 12 yard routes, right? If you two and a half seconds, I mean, they got to run the route, get off jam, come out of their break. Ball's got to be on time. Got to be a clear vision throw. It's got to be the coverage you want for the play you have called. Players have to make plays. I told the kid quarterback this weekend all the time, hey, you know, we're playing him and they love to pressure on third down. If our initial read is not there to get the first down, take the underneath throw because it will be there. Now we have to trust that our guys will make the guy miss on third and nine. We throw a five yard hitch route. He's got two yards of separation. Now it comes, you know, two yards. You got to make a miss and go and get first down. Well, kid gets tackled. We got a punt. So be it. And you got to play smart football. Now, if your defense is just getting run through like, uh, the analogy I was going to use is probably not appropriate, but it's just I know what you're going to say. It's um, through a screen door, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, then, then, then you might have to uh, then you might have to take a chance or two. But um, you know, and I know people. I saw, and I get all my my information or videos and all that stuff off of you know 
Twitter or Instagram, you know, you're scrolling at night and people are just barking up a tree about this call and that call and this, that, and the other and whatever. You know, I think a lot of people are referencing, we call it why shoot guys shoot straight to the flat and you have your two receivers blocking out in front, you know, probably wasn't a great um, call for the defense he got, but I will tell you that I um, had a great example of this on Friday night. And the reason I use my experience is because it's now it's not division one college SEC defense, but trying to relate to what he's calling, you know, I called a play Friday night based off what I had seen on film in that part of the field. I thought when I called it, I was like slam dunk touchdown strike up the band. I'm on the headset. Oh, we're scoring boys. Watch this, you know, and uh snap of the ball. They change play. He gets covered. Cloudies it up. Quarterback gets sacked. And I'm just like, what the hell, you know? And, and that happens. That happens all the time. Um, and, you know, to say that that hasn't happened to Coach Loggins, it's happened to him 100,000 times and it's going to happen 100 more thousand times, right? Um, some of those complaints are just stupid fans talking. You know, I saw something else on social media of a fan called into the, the, uh, the James Franklin show at Penn State. And they go, the guy's talking about, yeah, you know, we, we'd like to see more deep routes. And he was like, what? He was like, well, can't the quarterback just drop back and throw a post and see what happens? He was like, he's like, you, you can't be serious, right? So I'm going to tell my quarterback to drop back and throw the ball up and see what happens. And the guy was like, yeah. And I mean, like what are you going to Yeah. I mean, what kind of idiot? has the audacity <laughs> to call into a show and have that well, as their legitimate no, Perry, 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 wait. No, you hear, guys, right? you, you guys are missing you guys are missing a key detail here. It was not the call-in show. This was a reporter that asked this asinine question. And, and wanted and, and wanted to make issue with it. Like wanted to argue. Hold on, the re- a reporter called into Franklin's call. No, no, show? no. This was during a press conference. Oh, no, yeah, he's said. sitting in front of the background. It's full out press conference, and I likened it to what the fans say here. I was like, man, that's at least fans here talking about why can't we just put Nick Harbor out there and tell him to run? <laughs> well, that's chuck it up that's to him, you know. <laughs> you know the Fran- 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 James Franklin said, "You're making me feel uncomfortable." <laughs> <laughs> He's right. He's right, man. He's right. And you know, the funny thing is now if somebody presents you with that question, you have to answer it whether however you answer it, whatever you want to do. Um but that's why you get off social media, college coaches, college kids, recruits, players, get you're gonna deal with the as Steven Garcia said, the crayon eating machines of the earth. <laughs> that are going to flood your inbox. They're going to flood your DMs. They're going to flood your mentions with just stupidity. And, and the sad part is a lot of these people are coaching high school football. We see it. Dude, we see it every day. You watch film and you're like, what, what are these guys trying to accomplish here? And then they get mad and they want to bow up and tell you about, you know, how they played here and they did this and they did that. And you're just like, Dude, you need to come back to planet Earth, or you need to get as far away from me as possible. Um, but hey, listen, get off your high horse. When you are coaching at that level, you get paid handsomely, and you better be strapped in 
and and ready to uh, to answer those questions. Like going back to Friday, we had the ball third and goal on the half yard line, and we called a court, uh, a running back counter. Right, one of our plays we call a hundred times a season. Guy snaps it over the quarterback's head because we're in the shotgun. Should he have been in the shotgun on the one inch line? Probably not. Now, um, has my center done that this year? Launched it over his head. Um, not that one. The other one has, but uh, which is why we made the switch. But you know, he he really hasn't done that. And you know, we have to believe that we can just simply get a quarterback exchange done on the one inch line and just punch it in. So. You know, and if I was coaching high level college football in that play, I'm getting blasted for not getting under center in QB, you know, doing the tush push like they do in Philadelphia right now. Um, comes with the territory. My advice, get the hell off social media. Roll with what you got. These guys are great football coaches um, and uh, and handle your business. But I use that example to talk about the stupidity of these idiots that are sitting around watching uh, watching football. I'm just glad that you said it. Now, I mean, I get in trouble all the time for saying that stuff, and everybody feels like I'm talking directly to them. Like, well, no, there's 10,000 people that watch and listen to our show every I'm, day. I'm, I'm talking, talking to directly to you. And, you know, like, I'm like you know, <laughs> whoever like, you are, you're not, you're not sitting in my living room. You know, I, I'm yeah. talking to all 10,000 of you. I'm uh, actually talking you know. to Jamie specifically. Yeah, and me, I'm talking to myself. You know, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, exactly. Like, I don't do the things I used to do. Uh, you know, I, because I don't know what I'm talking about, so I just shut up. But all right, final quick question. We got to get you out of here. I know um florida and billy napier um in in your in your terms words whatever it is describe their offense and how do you stop it take away the run and uh, force that guy to drop back um i know that's super generic response but uh watching the utah game that was really the only game i watched i watched a little bit of the florida game but When you push this team behind the sticks, they don't, you know, we have a huge advantage at quarterback. Um, I think Williams Bryce will be rocking. Um, let's try to find a way to jump on them early and kind of get that like, ah, shit, we're playing on the road again kind of mentality because they are horrible on the road. They um, are, yeah. I think that uh, we can we could pour it on much like we did two years ago. So um, well, that would right. be really nice to see. Forty to seventeen would be a great score to replicate from twenty twenty one over the uh, the Gators and send them their jean shorts and their clap all the way back to the Sunshine State. Uh, Perry, y'all have um, I looked at it earlier. Who do y'all have tomorrow night? Military. Um, yep, Camden Military. Camden Military. And, uh, play them tomorrow and hoping for another win, which would put us at seven and one and uh, showdown versus Porter Gal, who's playing really good football this year. Yeah. Um, they're playing great football, and that will be a battle. Their coaches do a great job. They run the football well and stop the run well. So we're going to have a our uh, we're going to have ourselves a heck of a football game and a tough task prepping for them. But uh, we certainly have the players to uh, to win. And uh, if we do that, we'll most likely um, host the second seed in the Skiza playoff. Which, if all things shake out and we continue to play good football, we'll give ourselves an opportunity uh, with a rematch of. Uh, of Hammond, so. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, that'll be a good one. Hey, that Porter Gout game is that down here up in Columbia? No, it's uh, it's in Columbia. Okay. And, uh, yep. So we're hosting. Beat hosting the brakes off of them. 
We're gonna give him. We're gonna give him hell. We're gonna try it. We're gonna try to give him hell. No, no, no. You know, you know this. They're cyclones. More like a water spout. They're not a cyclone. They're a water spout. You, you know, no, get well, rid I'll of let them. you talk that mess. They got a good team this year. They this certainly much better and much improved from last year. Yeah, well, so are y'all. So beat them. But uh, beat Camden Military first this week. Perry, thanks as always, man. Really do appreciate it. Um, and uh, and um, you're you're just looking so much forward to the next couple of months for you. You're going to be a girl dad, and there's nothing in the world that's better than that. So I'm uh, you know, if you need anything to call me, I'll be up there tomorrow playing in the Letterman. So uh, maybe, maybe oh I'll yeah, I'll to... see you out there. I'll be out there just shuffling around. You're you're not playing though, are you? No, I'm not playing. I okay. uh, I'll just be kind of working it because I'm on the the Letterman's yeah. board and just kind of help facilitate anywhere I can. Well, I'll see you in the morning. I'll I'll holler at you when I get there, and we'll we'll hug and reminisce and go hit the range. There you go. Like Thanks, it. Talk to you guys later. Thanks, bud. See you. There you go. The great Perry Orth, our quarterback. I tell you what, let's skip the timeout, Phil, uh, because uh, we do have Chris Phillips standing by, and he's got a program to get to here in just a minute. And we've got time to get the timeout in, so we'll just transition right from Perry to Chris. It is 11.38 inside the Gamecocks of the show. What's up, man? What's going on, guys? Feels good to be here. Excited for the game this week. Uh, the bye week was fun, but uh, really pumped to get back to the action. Obviously, see the Gamecocks back on the field and get the nasty taste of the Tennessee game out of our mouths, hopefully, with a uh, big performance this weekend, and it should bode well. I mean, South Carolina, you know, we just heard Perry Orth talking. Uh, when you factor in Florida's road woes, and guys, I'll tell you, I went on a Florida show. I've gone on two Florida shows this week, and uh, they're a jaded fan base that it's they are expecting the worst. So I, I think South Carolina can take advantage of that. And then you factor in Gamecocks, obviously, 15-2 and two coming off the bye since 2009, 2-0 under Shane Beamer, and they've played two really, really good football games in each of those games under Shane Beamer. So, you know, I think the stars are aligned at Williams-Brice to get a big win. Now it's just up to South Carolina to go out there Saturday and deliver. So they're expecting to lose. That's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, all the all the Gator guys I've talked to have picked South Carolina. So, I mean, maybe it's a bad omen. But uh, they're just – you know, they've watched this Florida Gators team under Billy Napier on the road. And, again, to yeah. Perry's point, they've it's played poorly on the road and they've started poorly. So, JC yeah. and I were talking about this this morning. I think Carolina – if you can get off to a quick start, you know, you take the ball or whatever it is, you get a stop, but you go out there and get up 7 nothing, 10 nothing, 14 nothing. I think Florida's probably going to look around and say, oh, here we go again, another road game. We don't play well in these games in South Carolina. I think we'll be able to control the football game. Um, so it's, you know, guys, we're kind of in a funny spot because you've got two fan bases that a lot of the fan bases are expecting the worst to happen for whatever respective reasons that may be. And, the funny part is, guys, is that somebody's got to win the football game. So <laughs> we'll just, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, I think you can definitely take advantage of kind of like the mental, you know, the, the fragile state of Gator fans. And I think that probably spreads into the football team of, hey, we've been in this spot and here we go again on the road in the SEC. Yeah, you know, you just mentioned your, yours and JC's conversation a minute ago. I find something uh, fascinating with, with Gamecock football this year because we came into the year, into the season – and one of the major talking points was uh, when the when Carolina's on the road, uh, getting off to a good start. Uh, we had just seen these disastrous starts to these games over and over and over. and they have they've done that they they you know in the opening week in Charlotte they got off to a a pretty good start up there 
Uh, same thing in Athens. They were dominating. That's a big word to use when you're talking about playing number <laughs> one in their own ballpark, but they were. They were dominating Georgia. And then, you know, you go to, to Tennessee and, and you know, they, they, they didn't play the best football of the season, but they weren't playing bad out of the gates. The problems came when it was time to make some adjustments and, and when their opponents began making adjustments. I don't know if South Carolina did or didn't. I'm not in the booth, and, and, and I don't know enough to, to know uh, what was kind of going on out there in certain instances, but the, the problem came when, when things started to change. It, they couldn't really ever get the train back on the track. So I, I just – I'm anxious and curious to see – uh, in their self-scouting and evaluating over the last seven days or so, or actually more than that, the uh, last 10-plus days, uh, if they uh, have looked at that and, and what they plan to do to adjust it beginning this weekend. Yeah, JB, to your point, I mean, ironically enough, that has been the case for South Carolina. I think there's been many instances, like you just pointed out, where they started well on the road. And I, I feel like most of the problems have come defensively. I mean, it's it's been a joint effort, but it seems as if the the adjustments that South Carolina was making before at halftime, it, it doesn't seem like they're quite as quick or quite as sharp in regards to making those adjustments and, and getting the stops necessary in the second half. Also, I think that, you know, in those games, because of that, if and when South Carolina has fallen down, because they're, you know, sort of one-dimensional right now or have been at many points this season, the offensive line issues, which we know by now, um, you know, that's where the big sack numbers have come. I mean, it was the second half against UNC. I think they got like six of their nine sacks in that second half or maybe maybe seven of nine or something like that. Tennessee racked them up too. So, um, you know, getting ahead, staying ahead, I, I think is pivotal for South Carolina. But to your point, JB, it'll be interesting to see what did they find over the bye week that maybe – they weren't doing or they weren't doing enough of or maybe something was missing from first half to second half adjustments. And, I mean, it's something that, you know, it's it's fun to talk about and we follow the trends and we look, okay, how does this team scoring-wise do in the first quarter, second quarter, third, fourth, first half, second half, whatever. But, you know, can South Carolina go out there and play a complete 60 minutes? I think that's the big question going in this one. And it'll be interesting to see what adjustments they did make over the bye week, not just from scheme but personnel as well. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I'm looking at the chat box here. We've seen this all week. Everybody talking about uh, Trevor Etienne and this and the other. Guys, Can I do I need to remind everybody that Montreal Johnson's the leading running back on the team. Trevor Etienne's been a little bit banged up, although I think he'll play. And if for some reason he doesn't, they're going to use Trayon Webb as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all those guys are absolutely spectacular. Etienne and Johnson have Johnson's carried it 74 times this year. Etienne. Mm-hmm. 60 it's the system that billy napier uses it's the system it's the system they're not going to wear one guy down with 30 carries a game they're going to balance these dudes out pretty well um you know and if you find a way to control that look graham mertz as phil pointed out yesterday and i think jc pointed out the day before has been pretty darn accurate through this year i mean he's completed 80 percent of his passes that number by the way Look around college football. There's a lot of guys completing like 75 to 80% of their passes. I think it's because of kind of where offense mm-hmm. has gone. But I, I think the big question, Perry just said this a minute ago, you slow the run game down, you put them in third and long, predictable passing situations, although he's a guy who's been relative, relatively accurate, is he a guy who can beat you? Is he a guy who can beat you? I mean, is he that quarterback who can mm-hmm. get him down the field and, and beat you? Uh, I don't think we've seen that out of them. So, I, you know, I, I don't know that the answer is yes, but uh, I don't know that it's no either. But I, if you're Carolina, you'd like your chances in a spot like that. 
Yeah, guys, I think the matchup of the ball game is obviously South Carolina's rushing defense against that Florida rushing offense. I don't have the exact number pulled up in front of me, but something I heard this week that I thought was really, really interesting was that uh, Florida is one of the best in the SEC in regards to offensive line push, and it's a little bit over three yards per carry. So what that means is before the defense is even making contact, like what, what yards are the offensive line accounting for? And so Florida running backs have got a lot of room to run. South Carolina on the flip side is at like 2.4 yards per carry, one of the worst in the league, which would make sense with, you know, the struggles they had, they've had they had offensively. So when Florida's running game gets going, like you mentioned, JB, I mean, that, that's their bread and butter. It really is, you know, we have the fun stat when South Carolina rushes for over 100 yards, they do this. And obviously the, the odds of winning go up exponentially. I mean, Florida is that type of team. Like if they can't run the football, I don't think Graham Mertz is a guy – that can put on the Superman cape and carry them to victory. And, you know, to, to, to the point that, you know, JC and I were talking about this also this morning in regards to you sell out to stop the run. If Graham Mertz has some out-of-this-world performance and, and he throws for 487 like Will Rogers did, you freaking tip your cap to him and you go outscore him. But I, I just highly doubt that's going to happen. I don't think he's that caliber of player. I don't think he's that caliber of quarterback. And I don't think this is a game, JB, where you can sit back and allow Florida to just nickel and dime you to death and pop off four to five yards of carry and let them go on six, seven, eight minute play or six, seven, eight minute drives, if you will, and keep the ball out of Spencer Rattler's hands. Because I, I feel like that's what Florida is probably going to try to do in this game. So I, I want to see South Carolina defensively be aggressive, make Graham Mertz beat you over the top. Like, again, if, if he's able to hit a couple of big ones, so be it. You tip your cap. But I, I'd have to imagine, and I believe that South Carolina secondary has a bounce back performance. And Graham Mertz is not going to be able to connect, you know, on those deep shots. And I mean, outside of Ricky Pearsall, it's a really unproven wide receiver group. I mean, I know they love Eugene Wilson out there, and he's a speedster, if you will. But it's a lot of young guys outside of Pearsall. So I definitely think stop the run. That's priority number one. You got to put this game on the back of Graham Mertz, and you know, see what he can do against you. You, you mentioned the push there. First of all, I got a I got a pop quiz for the three of you. How many times has Graham Mertz thrown for three hundred yards or more in a game in his career? Keep in mind he's been playing college football since eighteen fifty six, two thousand nineteen. <laughs> well, for a lot of those years, they didn't really chuck the ball around the yard, so that'll yeah. drop down for a bit. Couple three, I don't know. None. Zero. 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 None. Not one. Yeah. He's had he's had yeah. one game where he threw for two ninety nine. Uh, I, and that was at Wisconsin. That's it. You know, he's think, been that 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 number. I just want to squeeze this in, JC. You take over from here. I, but Chris's number about the push, good number. It's a good stat in college football. He's also been sacked nine times in the last three games. Um, and and so I know that's something Florida is a little bit concerned about. Gamecocks don't sack a lot of quarterbacks. I understand that, but yeah. they, they got sacked three times by Charlotte too. Carolina seems to be better than those. Yeah, guys. JB. On that note, Gamecocks and Gators are actually tied for last in regards yeah, to defensive sacks brutal. at nine. So, hey, you you know what's a surprising stat in this game, gentlemen? And I know that uh, uh, Mad Dog down here, you know, yes, he he knows because we were the only two that showed up for work yesterday. J- JC went to the beach. Um, I'm just kidding, JC. Uh, y'all know how many turnovers Florida has forced this year? How many? Two. 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 Wow. It's incredible. I mean, I I was shocked to hear that yesterday. As good as their defense has been, that's shocking. As good as that defense has played this year, that is shocking. One one tumble. That's interesting. Yeah, South Carolina uh, is dead last uh, in giving uh, sacks allowed. Um, <laughs> they in, dead in, last in the, in the SEC. first quarter of the North Carolina. Yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be tough for them to crawl out of the basement. 
Guess who's second to last in the SEC? Alabama. Alabama, yep. Wow. Florida is not much better. They're like, I think, 11th in the league. 15. 98 in the, in the country. Yeah. And Graham's a hard guy to sack because they, they, they get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly with those those short passes. Um, so well, he, got, he got hammered in week one, too, JC. Utah sacked him five times. That was – they cleaned it up, you know. I think uh, they, they, they didn't let the daunting McNeese State, whatever the hell they are, is in the backfield. But since then, he's gone down ten more times. So. Yeah, Charlotte. I'm surprised Tennessee didn't get to it more. But that game was just so weird. Uh, who who knows? Tennessee. Who knows? Who knows? Guys, what what's what's the confidence level going in this one? I, I you know I just want to interject. Like what what's 100. the because we hundred percent okay because we feel seen really, on, I feel really good about there. There's it on. seems like there's uneasiness on both sides, and when you look. Say on paper, I mean, it feels like a game South Carolina should be confident going into. I don't know if it's a hangover from what happened in Knoxville, but um, I mean, I've gone on record pick South Carolina, granted in a close game, 24 to 20. But to me, it's more likely South Carolina wins by double digits than loses this game. That That's just I, like it, that a Florida win would surprise me far more than a South Carolina double digit victory where they're able to get a couple of turnovers, make a big play in special teams and win this thing 31 to 13. Like that wouldn't shock me. I'll tell you how I feel. I feel like Carolina gets off to a hot start and you think, Oh my God, they're going to run them out of the yard today. And then it's one of those typical, you look up and you're going, they they, couldn't put them away. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Why is it 17 to 14? And then Carolina's, Get some strange turnover, scores late. You know, it ends up being 27-17 or something like that. Hey, that's what I picked, 27-17. See, welcome. On the Spurs Up show today. All right. I mean, I I think that, but, I mean, you know, like, look, guys, Florida's strengths bode well, uh, you know, but but what gives me hope (laughs) is um, they're kind of like Mississippi State offensively uh, without maybe not even as dynamic of a, of a system as, as app state has. I mean, Billy, I mean, we, we saw what happened last year. There was nothing fancy about Florida winning that game last year. They lined up, they ran it all over. So, uh, you know, I would, and, and look, I, I think this, I think Will Rogers going deep to uh, Tulu Griffin is a lot different. Than than maybe the Mertz Pearsall connection. Certainly, you got to you got to cover Ricky Pearsall, man. He's one of the best receivers in the SEC. They don't have that much outside of him. They have a tight end that's kind of coming on, who's got like an English and a British name, Binghamton, Brighamton, something like that. Uh, I'll get his name here. He's coming on and looking pretty good. Um, oh, Artis Boardingham. Arliss Boardingham. Yeah, I always think his name is Arliss Board Game. So I, I don't board know. Board Game, Board Game, Yeah, Arliss Monopoly. Get the hell out of here. Uh, so he uh, – <laughs> oh, Arliss had – he had seven catches for 99 yards and two touchdowns against the Commodores the other day. So well, you got to watch him. You got to watch out for old Arliss Boardingham. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'd take my chances there. Whatever – and, look, T.J. Sanders has to be healthy and ready to go in this game too. Um, uh, Florida Center is out again uh, this week. Uh, yeah. Sanders can be so disruptive uh, inside, and, and, you know, that can kind of – that can hurt your running game before it gets going. And for God's sake, don't run it straight at number 21, the 400-pounder. <laughs> uh, last year, that was, that was the daggum – 
game plan. Let's run Jaheim Bell straight. Oh, well, okay, that didn't work. Let's run Juju McDowell straight into 21. That's not how you wear him out, dude. You got to run it. Big boy needs to be going sideline to sideline to sideline to side all day long. Uh, I think that was punishment to Juju for missing a meeting or something. <laughs> hey, you see that big guy over there? You have to run right into his gut all four quarters. It, it, it would not surprise me. No. So I'd rather just run stadiums. Nope. You got to do it. No. And Spencer, Spencer, if you if you fumble it to him, you got to go tackle him. And, and, and Spencer did, yeah. actually. Hey, by the way, Juju, if he grabs hold of your leg, Messages, let him finish. <laughs> Just let him finish. <laughs> I had to get a, you know, you got to get a Christmas vacation quote in there somewhere, right? I mean, no. The holidays are coming. Just let him finish. Sorry, JC. I just had to laugh because that dude is never a bad. He's only like, he's only like five vacation. ten too. No. I mean, he's not no. like six eight. He's like five ten, four hundred twenty pounds. It's Crazy. It's a tank. It's a little, yeah. little tank out there. Anyway, all right, Chris, man, we appreciate it. Well, let's go get to your show, but uh, always <laughs> good to talk. That I'm with you. I don't know. I was going to say Desmond Watson comparison, Stanley Doty. Y'all remember that name? Yo, yes. Yeah. Kind of like a little Stanley Doty. Stan, Stanley got Stanley up wasn't about that big, though. 350, 333, but he wasn't four. Yeah. He wasn't four. He was a. It did, I think he had the the crazy face mask too at one point. He had like the, yeah, he did. Bars. Yeah, Carolina struggles against guys right. like this, man. Y'all, were, I mean, not even to mention that um, you know, the, the gigantic people of Georgia over the years. Uh, yeah. uh, da- there was a kid named Daniel McCullers out of North Carolina that somehow found his way to Tennessee during the Dooley era, and then he played on that uh, I think first or second Butch Jones team that beat Carolina in twenty thirteen. That one day, out of nowhere, that 400-pound check, Carolina could not block him, could not block him, could not block him. Uh, and then that big dude for Kentucky two years ago in 2021, that dude could not block him, could not block him, could not block him. So uh, Carolina historically has struggled against guys like that. But what you do with a guy like that, though, you just, run, you know, you get a little horizontal and make him chase. I mean – yeah. He'll eventually get worn out. He'll get winded. So, Bill, you know, I, I, I love Dick JC like a brother. I think we all do. He's turned into one of the best friends I've got. I can't for the life of me figure out what do we do to prevent him from bringing up old games that Carolina lost every single day on this show. Hey, y'all remember that <laughs> game at Tennessee in 2013? You know, remember that one? It's not we, his we fault do. that Carolina's we, record was so bad, yeah. you know? <laughs> so you, you recall the games you recall. <laughs> hey, boys, I, I just won the lottery. I won 50 grand last night. Do you remember anything about 1999? Uh, yeah. <laughs> hey. Keep, Keep them humble, JC. Keep them humble. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Oh, man. Chris, we know you got a show to get to. Appreciate your time. And uh, what was your score prediction for the 24 week? to 20. 24 to 20. I got okay. Gamecocks. Yeah. Lock it in. Like like lock Chris in. likes to say, lock it in. Lock, lock it in. Hey, I'll All take right. a I'll take a one-point dub. I don't care. Just get the win. Get That's the good. win. That's the key to this one. Get the win. Get the <laughs> win. All right, boys. We'll talk soon. Thanks, Appreciate y'all. Hey, I've got a, I have to pass along a message here to everybody in the chat box. Everybody listen closely. Record it if you need to. Play it back. 
we have our predictions have nothing to do with whether they win or lose. So if we pick them to win and they lose, it ain't our fault. I've picked them to win a lot when they won. It's okay for us to pick them to win. I don't even like making predictions. I try. I'm, I'll make yeah. a prediction on Chris's show because I'm a guest. I don't make predictions. I mean, the scenarios, dude. Here's the bottom line. Yeah. Florida comes out, and Florida is six in the country at time of possession. Okay? Florida comes out, and the daggum defense can't get off the field. If they're not man enough, I sound like, I sound like Will Muschamp now, don't I? If you're not man enough, Bang on. overcome the adversity on the field. Everybody do your job. <laughs> Dude, he get what was crazy about Will is like he would he, if you ever if you ever talked to him like in the media he almost because he, he kind of starts at a boil a simmer and then gets a full boil, you know. He's and he, he, you can feel it coming. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I need to do a bumper when he when he punches that whiteboard at Texas. Everybody do good job. Uh, he. Uh, but he, um, this guy, so, uh, yeah, I sound like Will Muschamp, but they, they need to be man enough. If, if you if you stay on the field, you can't get off the field, you can't tackle them, and Johnson and ETN are, are getting chunk yardage, and then you let some little deepy-doopy-doopy pass for Broadingham or whoever the hell, you know, <laughs> you're going to lose the football game, okay? Because yeah, nice Florida is good enough on defense to at least slow you down. Yeah. Right? Now, if Juice that's Wells good. were playing, I'd say probably not, but – you know, um, and I if agree. you don't protect Rattler and, and you're an Olay defense and it gets to be this game where he's got all the pressure on him and you have to, you're not going to win the football game. Yeah, You're not. But yep. those things have to happen for Florida to do it. And, and, and you know, South Carolina's got to man up. Like, look, to heck with all this crap, okay? You know, to heck with all this crap the last three years. Stopping the run is a mentality. It's a mindset. Yeah. It has nothing to do with talent. Nothing. I mean, in some cases it does. But against a team like this, they don't do anything fancy. They're, it's not like Tennessee where they're going a million miles an hour, attacking the edges. They don't do anything fancy. Straight up zone, uh, inside zone, power. You just got to man up. Got to man, man up. up. Man up. All right, we got to man mean, up and get the break here, though, because we haven't taken one in an hour, and Mike Morgan is due. Uh, so let's do that. The Fab Five challenge coming up. Oh, as yeah. well. Are we, we're, we're doubling up here, right, guys? No, no, we won't. We've got three hours. I got it. I got it. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Right. DJ Mad Dog, uh, hit the hit. Mike's the not in yet. We could double. Well, we, uh, we got to get a break no matter what. So hang tight. Yeah. Hour so let's just go right, and right. decide we'll later. All right. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Sign. Panorama Columbia and Go Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. 
clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Coach Olia, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast. The char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. In some music Mike would be familiar with, but and then he shows up. Look at that. Is that wait? Is that not Mike? Welcome back, everybody. He's on the Spencer Ryder. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> what's up, fellas? <laughs> Mike? Well, afternoon. Welcome, everybody. The Spencer Ryder bandwagon has arrived here inside the game. I am not part of the Cheech and Chong Up in Smoke sequel. This is my Spencer Strider mustache. (laughs) Now that, that would have been a dimer. That would have been a timer for Phil. <laughs> that tells you all you need to know about Phil. That Up in Smoke is a dimer for him. Oh, uh, we're learning more and more about the Mad Dog every day. Mad Dog. <laughs> uh, you know, there are times in uh, the world of sports, especially in baseball, Mike, where they say 
tonight is a must-win game, and it's not. Tonight yeah. is a must-win game for the Atlanta Darn Braves. It. Yeah, we hear that in football all the time, and it hardly ever is. Um, if we lose this game, the program's in the crapper. No, it's not. It's going to suck for a week, and then you're going to try and win the next one. But uh, it's an elimination game. So, yes, by very definition, Jamie, uh, and I couldn't help but hearkening back to our conversation Tuesday uh, when I told you Bryce Elder would be lucky he wouldn't get past the fifth inning. Well, I was wrong. He didn't get past the third inning. He has been El Bato uh, for the yeah. entire second half, and I, I know that that was a decision that, that <clears throat> they were going to uh, struggle with and – the problem is with no Charlie Morton, you just you just don't have other options. I mean, Snit is he's really behind the eight ball here, and the way this thing lined up, where the Phillies, you know, they started a just run of the mill guy, kind of like Elder, in Game One and won the game. So that's that's stealing one in, on multiple fronts. You didn't just steal one away from home; you stole one where you didn't have one of your top two guys. Because there's really only four starting. I got to take this off. There's really only it's getting hot. There's really only four starting pitchers uh, in this series that are, are, are you know really got are, they're dudes. Okay, there's guys and there's dudes. We're all familiar with that. The, the Braves had two of them, right? And we've seen them, uh, Freed and Strider. And I know Freed struggled because he's got the blister. And but for the most part, he's a dude. Strider's a dude. You've got uh, the guy you saw last night, and I didn't like that pitching matchup at all. I warned every. Braves fan of that I could uh, find about that matchup. Uh, Nola's pretty clutch. Been there, yeah. done that before. And, and of course, I got Wheeler. So you already, the Phillies won a game where you had your dude on the mound and they had basically a tomato can on the mound. So that was like a double steal in my eyes. So through all the euphoria of winning game two and the way it happened, in the back of my mind, and I said this on this show, uh, pump the brakes on the celebration because the Phillies still have the upper hand here, and that upper hand was on display. That ballpark, I've been there. The ball flies. It's just you. It, you really you need swing and miss stuff if you're going to be effective in that ballpark because if anybody barrels it, it's gone. And even if you don't barrel it, sometimes it's gone. And they got plenty of pop in their lineup for all the records the Braves set. I'm not so sure the Phillies don't have a lineup that's at least competitive with it. Um, and the other thing I've been saying for months about this season that has scared me, I've been around the game a long time, and what I know is baseball postseason is unlike the others. You can be the most dominating team, as the Braves were through 162, and you can get worked over in a best-of-five uh, divisional series. It happened to the Dodgers. It happened to the Orioles. And if it happens to the Braves – you really have to start wondering, is this playoff format set up properly? Because you've got way too many number one seeds falling in the first series that they play. And with that, I cede the floor to the distinguished gentleman here on the Power Hour. I thank Brian Spencer for all his fine work. Maybe he'll pitch uh, out of the bullpen for the Braves tonight. And uh, I can't, ra- can't wait to talk some college football in Florida, Carolina. I've got a lot of thoughts on that as well. Yeah, Good afternoon. So, couple of things too. Uh, one, uh, I agree with you. The the format is interesting because you know the best. The I mean, I'm a I'm a baseball guy, Mike. You're a baseball guy. Um, you know, the best thing that you can do as a baseball guy when you're playing well is to continue playing. 
and you basically get a week off uh, when by by winning. So you sit down, you watch everybody else play, and then you pick it back up. That that that's something. Uh, here's something else. I, I mentioned this having a conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, and I'm not sure that it would change anything. It might. I'm not. I don't know why Major League Baseball doesn't afford the higher seed the choice of opening the series at home or on the road. Um, because I think that there would be a, based on, I mean, you think about all the analytics that there are today, and you you pair that with your with your pitching and your rotation, how it sets up and matchups and who they're going against whom. There are probably a lot more teams than you think that would say, we'll go on the road for the first two games of this series because I like how it sets up coming back after that. Not even... Not even, uh, you know, you've earned three. You've earned three home games because you have that you're the higher seed. So give them the option of either of flip flopping those first two. You can two at home, two on the road, one at home, two on the road, three straight at home. I think that that's something they need to look at in Major League Baseball. I might even take it a step further, Jamie. Just play them all on the road. I'm just kidding. No, play them all at home. <laughs> play them I all mean, at home. Well, I mean, why not reward the team that dominated the regular season? If we're going to place a, a premium on... You mean the one team, like the best record in baseball? The that. one team. Oh, okay. So that'd be the Braves and the Orioles, right? Right. Okay, so why make them go on the road? And this just in, the Phillies were the most dangerous opponent. It wasn't the Dodgers with their pitching. It wasn't anybody else in the National League. So the Braves didn't exactly get rewarded the way this whole thing worked out. And none of these are excuses. If the Braves lose, they got nobody but themselves to blame. I'm not. I'm not here to, you know, uh, make excuses. But the the format itself. This is not just about the Braves. This has been a regular occurrence now, where the number one seed keeps losing, and so the team that you're excited about for six months in Major League Baseball doesn't make it to the LCS. I don't know if that's really good for the game. Um, so let them play it all at home. But let that be the one advantage you have. Let them play it all at home. The Orioles won 101 games, and they're at home now. Yeah, no, I made fr- that point. For that yeah. franchise, the yeah. definitely at home. Traditionally, they're the worst team in the AL East, right, which is a tough division because you got the Rays and however they're successful, which we don't know. Yeah. Uh, and then the, Yan- <laughs> then the Yankees and Red Sox, those are two Titans up there. The Blue Jays are really good. Um and the Orioles had a magical year, and now they're at home. That's 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 the crushing part of the Major League Baseball playoffs. Is like you can go, and man, but man, when they had the one game wild, do they still have the one game wild card, or is it no, best of three? Best of three. Best of three. I mean, dude, like that one game wild card thing. That that that's that's rough. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I don't have a problem with best of five, and if the Braves do lose, and and that's your excuse, it's not good enough. Like I do like the comments that Dave Roberts said, who amazingly still has a job as the Dodgers manager. Um, he's like, look, we lost the first three games. Whether it's best of five or best of seven, we didn't play well. And he's exactly right. Like they would have lost best of five, best of seven, best of nine. Uh, the, the Dodgers' weaknesses showed up, and they played a team that had nothing to lose that was mediocre. I mean, Arizona toward the end of the year was – Really, really mediocre. If the Cubs didn't urinate all over themselves, they they would have picked up that slot. Ooh, Phil, but, way to go, Phil! Boo, 
you I suck, was, man. I, I watched it. I was like, you know, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> yeah. Actually, there's there, no there other way. Hey, it's poison ivy. It's not real ivy. It's poison ivy. Just so you know. Okay, continue. it might be. <laughs> but I, I, I'll just say this again. Like best of five is fine. We don't need to go best of seven on a on a divisional round. I'm fine with that. You should be able to win a best of five. But I do think the number one should just be able to play every game at home. You don't have. Yeah. You shouldn't have to go back and forth and back. I mean, if the Braves win this, it's going to be an exhausting opening round series. Uh, where you're taking two road trips and you're playing what clearly is one of the best teams in baseball. They just didn't play like it in April and May. And then all of a sudden the light went on in the second half, and it's like, oh, this is why the Phillies are really good again. This is why they're in the World Series, because they got a loaded lineup and they got two front-line starters, two dudes. So this was never going to be an easy series. I never felt great about it. Um, and and again, even with the euphoria of the win in Game 2, it's like, you do realize this series ain't over. Around here on the radio, oh my goodness, like the, the parade already started. And I'm just like, guys, pull back on the reins. This is not over by any stretch. D- great moment and worth talking about, but certainly not enough to like blusterly stick your chest out and go, yeah, screw you, Philly. Yeah. Well, hey, look, you look, know, you got Strider on the mound against Ranger Suarez tonight. Uh, you're the best lineup in baseball. Rangers four and six with a four point one eight uh, ERA. He had a good start against the Braves last week, though. But they've got know, they've got the report on him now. He was you gotta you've got stuff. to like like I love the stash, Mike. When we mentioned Rangers, whenever you that, say Strider, this that, thing goes on. I'll put Strider's it on the microphone. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you got to you got to get some runs. I mean, the lineup has been uh, pretty much disappointing so far against Philly. Very. Pitching. Very uh, You've got to you – know, you left, they left four runners on base yesterday, got up one nothing, and four stranded. Next thing you know, here we go. I took a phone call, right, and I, and it's 1-1, and I get back off the phone. It's 6-1. to one. Yeah. Imagine my disappointment. Uh, well, and but, you texted uh, me. Your text was great, and it's like most Braves fans are thinking, hey, time for the best offense in baseball to, to, to come around. Yeah, and I was I was with you, but what I wanted to text back, but I didn't want to be portrayed as overly negative, is the Phillies aren't done scoring runs because <laughs> because I it, it, when Elder gets chased, and I knew he would early, they don't have like this is not the best bullpen in baseball by any stretch. Um, they they they're just not equipped. If they don't get a good start from their top guy. They're not equipped to both rally and shut Philadelphia down for four innings. That's just that they're not going to shut down the Phillies for four innings in that ballpark with their bullpen. There's there's two guys on the roster right now that can shut that lineup down, and one of them is pitching tonight in Strider, and the other one is Freed when he's on. Everybody else, you're just going to have to like white knuckle it, man. Where they're they're getting theirs, you're getting yours, and may the most explosive offense win. Yeah, get out to about seven to one lead today. Get Strider about five and a half innings. That'd be hold nice. On for, hold on for dear life. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, come on, come on, come on, Spencer. Someone get Monty Lee on the horn. Tell him to give him a pep talk before he gets out there. Yeah, uh, played for Monty at uh, Clemson um, before well, the injuries and COVID. Otherwise, he would have been a much higher draft pick. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And the ball, by the way, that Bryce Harper hit yesterday. Uh, 
according to reports, just landed here about an hour and a half ago. So um, good yeah, news there. I found that in my backyard this morning. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I, I know. It's it's amazing. It's just amazing how far. It, yeah, he's the guy. You He's like Smoke. He's like Smoke was. Mike, he's exactly like Justin. If he was on your team, you loved him. But, God, you hated to play against that guy. And um, that was literally Justin Smoke yeah. to AT. Uh, he's always been – yeah, I mean, he, he look, he's cocky as hell, but yeah, would I want him good. on my team? You you bet your ass I would. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> Take you him do. in a heartbeat. You know, had he, had he played college <laughs> baseball, you guys know he was coming to, you know, he's coming to South Carolina. Yeah, his brother, his brother played so, for the game. Well, you know where he did play? He did play Juco. You guys know where? Yeah. In Nevada, yeah. Southern uh, Nevada. You know why he picked Nevada. Southern Nevada? Vegas, baby. Uh, no. Besides the slot machines? No. Southern Nevada, that that junior college plays in a wooden bat league. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Ooh. and he still hit four seventy or whatever it was. That's right. So Bryce was yeah. Bryce knew he was going to be. You got to if you go back in time. I I remember. So my first year at the Braves was twenty ten, and I remember hearing about him. Uh, you know, as we we got near the draft, and it was like he is going to be not only the number one pick, but one of the highest rated hitters everyday players in years mm. uh and and that was a lot to live up to quite frankly i don't think he lived up to that level of hype right i mean yeah i know he's got a couple mvps but he's not a high average guy he he gets hurt from time to time like he's really good but the way they talked about him coming out of out of the juco ranks was no this guy is going to be you haven't seen anything like him in this generation and i wouldn't go that far he's he's been in there, but there's been a lot of great players in there too. Well, he was also a catcher when he was coming up, and um, he's he's now he's of course you know hunkered down over there at first base doing what he does. But um, out he's played outfield. He's he came up as a catcher. He's been now he's first baseman. He's been around the block. The ladies absolutely love him too. Like he's, uh, he's more, like he's like he's Jack Parkman. He's more popular Jack than Mike. Parkman. <laughs> He, he I is. Love I love it when they do that shimmy. Yeah, trust me. I, he's he definitely he's got more more juice. Uh, that's the wrong word to use. That's the wrong word to use. My goodness. Oh, my you know what God. I did last night, guys? You speak. Somebody mentioned five or five and dimer there, um, which is kind of a JC and Morgan reference, but we've we've transferred it over to this show. And when things slow down a little, we can have more fun with that. So, I. I'm one of these people now. Uh, I'm not a what do they call it a cinephile, but I do I do love movies. And we're at the point now where again you can go six months without seeing it, but out a movie in the theater that I'd want to see. Whereas when we were kids, you'd look at the newspaper and the Every listing week. of movies, and there's like five of them you all wanted to see. Yep, you know, choice. You'd have to make a choice, yeah. to make yep. a choice. and and a lot of times we would go into one, and then movie would and we just sneak into the other one and yeah. make it our own double feature. Well, that doesn't happen anymore. So I have to go back in time. And as a child of the 80s and 90s, I, th- I think I've seen almost every movie I want to see from that, that era. But there was a movie that they were talking about on another podcast that I, that I listened to. Um, yeah, that, that It's a podcast for a show. Um, I was listening to it, and, and they were talking about The Big Chill. And, and I was like, you know, I remember my parents, like that, when, when we were kids— the, my parents were like that was the movie like that was you saw that and the guy who directed it by the way here are his credentials before that he directed empire strikes back raiders of the lost ark 
and Return of the Jedi, among among others. So he he was on a heater, okay? And he gets this group of actors to come together and do a movie about they're all they all went to the University of Michigan back when Shen Becker was coached. They actually show footage of a Michigan Michigan State game, and I think Harbaugh's the quarterback. I was I was ready to do a deep dive on 1983 Michigan football. Um, anyway, the cast it's like it's Berenger, Tom Berenger from Platoon. It's Kevin Klein, who in addition to being a good actor, you got to give him props. He married Phoebe Cates in her prime. Um, from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You guys know Phoebe Cates. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Right. <laughs> Jamie's a little younger. I, I got to make sure. I, I got to, we got to, okay, Jamie knows. Okay. Yeah, the look in his eyes tells me not only does he know, but he used the pause button on his VCR many times back in the day. All right. Um, oh, no. <laughs> uh, J- Joe Beth Williams of Kramer versus Kramer fame and, I got and Poltergeist. What's Mike, that? Mike just pantsed me. I did. Yes. Yes. So to speak. <laughs> And uh, who am I missing? Oh, Jeff Goldblum was in it. Anyway, so I'm watching this movie last night for the first time, and it's solid. It's it's a solid. It's kind of dark, but it, it's like a buddy movie where all your college buddies all get together 10, 15 years after the fact. Unfortunately, it's about a, a mutual friend that committed, su- committed suicide. Not exactly the, the, the you know, uh, the thing you want to reunite with, but... I'm watching this movie and I'm like, this landscape looks really familiar. You know where that movie takes place? Buford, South Carolina. Buford, South Carolina. Now, I I I learned yep. a couple years ago, Forrest Gump was primarily filmed in Buford. Yeah, which is set also in Savannah though. Set in Savannah, they they pretended like Buford was Savannah. Right, right. But it actually filmed in Buford, uh, mm-hmm. and I've got I've got some friends that live out there in Buford. I had no idea. And so they got they got Kevin Klein, who's supposed to be the Buford native. He went to University of Michigan, but he's from South Carolina, mm-hmm. and he is doing for two hours the worst South Carolina accent in the history of South Carolina. <laughs> it's just terrible. <laughs> it's just terrible. But anyway, I only the only reason I brought that story up was the South Carolina connection, which I did not know. And yes, the dead friend is was a young Kevin Costner. Costner, yeah. Who That's this was way bo- this was five years for Bull Durham, but he never appeared in the movie. They cut all his scenes out. So imagine you're Kevin Costner. This is your big break. This movie was nominated for like five Oscars. You play a dead guy, but they were going to do flashbacks when he was alive, and the director says. No, I'm sorry, Kevin. We cut all that out. You're not actually in the movie. <laughs> you, you cut Kevin. Uh, I mean, this director, Susan. Yeah. The director, uh, Lawrence Kasdan, did have a lot of, I mean, he's really done well. Uh, really did a yeah. lot of good stuff uh, back in the day. But, man, oh, man, if you're the director that cuts Kevin Costner out of his, his first big break, I mean, yeah, I feel I gotta a go little back bit weird. Yeah. Get him in a sequel. Have them, everybody come back together and, and – uh, and do the sequel. Yeah. yeah. Kevin could be Oscar in there. Was like, someone get Susan Sarandon on the, on yeah, the horn. Exactly. <laughs> and get me a bat. Bull Durham, best baseball movie ever made? Question mark, question mark. Um, no. I don't I don't have a best baseball movie. There's too many that are just good. I mean, they're just really good. Like, I can I tell, you the, the, I'll tell you the worst one ever made. Major League <laughs> 2. No, three, 3. 3 has to. Major <laughs> League 3, three. was filmed here. I didn't even so. see 3. Well, I'm I gonna throw something else at you. A lot. Scott Foxhall was in that movie. He was. I did not know that. Three. Wow! Yeah. I'm gonna throw another one at you. The Slugger's okay. Wife. I never, never saw that. that. I, I knew that didn't that. have a chance. 
you yeah. guys are all Braves people and you haven't seen the slugger's wife. It's it's no. based on a player that's on the Atlanta Braves. Neil Simon wrote it. Like this okay. is one of it, oh. I guess he wrote it maybe as a player. I don't know right. what was up. Neil Simon's usually pretty good with romantic comedies. This movie was terrible. The best part what was was Skip Carey and Pete Van Weeren and Ernie Johnson were in it. Oh. Uh, and, and hypothetically uh, it, it's kind of like the natural, but not like this guy gets hot at the plate because he's dating this stripper or, or somebody. Uh, and, and then he, she leaves him and so he goes to crap and, and the Braves end up playing the Astros. And that was back when the Braves were in the NL West and they lost the division on the last day. And the Braves lose the division. Yeah. I remember that line, but, she, but you're she's, saying she's the a lounge singer. She's a lounge singer. Yeah. It's one of my favorite uh, movies, but it's, it's just not a good movie. Right. Uh, it's a two-star I mean, that you can't turn away from, like Roadhouse it, for me. It, it would be a fiver for me, you know, but okay. the slug, Slugger's Wife is probably, it, 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 without, you know, ridiculous sequels like uh, like Major League Three, my God. Um, yeah. It's uh, the Slugger's Wife probably at the bottom of the list. Because, I mean, you, know, you got The Natural, you got even like Babe with freaking, uh, what's his name, John Goodman. Is good. I did see that once. I mean, it's yeah, right. it's a one time. It's not bad. Yeah, uh, one and field, done. field of dreams. I mean, yeah. that's field the of real dreams. baseball question is: Would you rather be Kevin Costner with that version of Susan Sarandon or Kevin Costner with Kelly Preston and For the Love of the Game? Kelly Preston. Kelly Me Preston. too. I'm not a Sarandon. I'm not a Sarandon person. I meant, I no. meant her that version of her she looks too much like my late aunt like <laughs> my aunt chick yeah no I, seriously hey hey what's her uh who's boy, the lady really that'll get you every really time. died <laughs> who's who's the chick jamie lee curtis from trading places looks like my mother so i'm not oh. i don't know so I've, I've never had any kind of thing for jamie lee curtis at all Really? Well, well, especially and, and, if some of the rumors are true, I you know, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> well, and, and then she did That's this a playground. I'm not ready to play on. She did this commercial <laughs> where she was talking to like uh, with yogurt, like that makes you poop, like uh, Activa or something. She's like, this yogurt makes you poop, and I can sit there and think about my poor mom, you know, having to eat yogurt to have to go to the bathroom, and I'm like, it just oh, messes wow. with me. So, like trading places when she was the you know the hooker with the heart of gold or whatever was not into her at all. And it's for the same reason, because my mom's sister looks like Susan Sarandon, her RIP, she died about 20 years ago, but uh, I, I never got into Susan Sarandon, which, I mean, that should show you, you know, that should at least tell you guys I'm not mentally ill or anything, you know, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. But uh, that's, uh, that was that. Does Cobb count as a baseball movie? I would think so. And Tommy Lee oh. Jones was a tour de force in that one. Yeah. I thought he was, I thought he was great. For sure it does. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm there. Yeah, I, I think it's – I mean, Bull Durham will probably always get the nod, uh, but Field of Dreams is always going to get votes. Uh, Major League is always going to get votes. Bad know. News Bears ought to get votes. Bad News yeah. Bears. I'll Bad News Bears what, is still whole, right? it still stands up today as someone who's done some uh, youth baseball umpiring and dealing with parents and having to throw mothers out of little league parks I've, back I've in the day, including a couple in Columbia, South Carolina. You know who you are. I know you're watching. Yeah, they I know are. You're watching this show. Hope, Hope, where are you? We know you're in the chat box. Hope, get out of here. Share uh, your <laughs> Bad news bears. What is that movie? Almost 50 years old. Still holds up today 
the lessons about parents taking it too far, about losing sight of the importance of winning versus lose, all these things are still so relevant in youth sports today. Oh, by the way, it's a funny-as-hell movie, and it's just really, really good. Uh, you know what also is funny as hell and really, really good, and it's one of my favorite movies, and some people don't like the fact, but I don't care because I'm my own man and my own skin. A League of Their Own is fantastic. And I Tom don't think Hanks, that's a hot take. I think a lot of people yeah, like them. I enjoyed yeah, that I movie. Thought, I thought it was good. I don't like it, I think, because it's girls' baseball. I'm like, what? That movie is oh, fantastic. Fine. Yeah. Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks is a unbelievable in that movie. Tom Hanks when he was again before he got Hollywoodized and he was just a normal, funny, talented human being. Now if like you ran into him a cocktail party within five minutes, he'd start preaching something you'd tune and be like, Hey Tom, I'm gonna go back to that cheese plate, get some charcuterie. It's it's been great meeting you, loved you in Forrest Gump, but this is enough. It's what Hollywood does to people. It's it's very sad. Strange. Yeah, it's it hurts because Tom Hanks is one of the greatest actors ever, and uh, I can make no the argument, argument that his ver- him in um, in a league of their own was the best he ever was. I can make the argument. I'm saying besides bachelor party, I'm right there with you. What about Splash? What about Volunteers? Why is Washington State getting disrespected yet again? He can't resist bringing up the movie Volunteers. It all goes back. To I don't think Tom Hanks' family has, has seen that movie. It's him and John Candy. I mean, that was good. Uh, it, was, it was really good. He played, um, I don't know. Anyway, hey, a- you have to see it. Well, the Washington State fight songs featured in it, though, because John Candy's character is Tom Tuttle from Tacoma. And I'm a he's, he's a wazoo guy. Well, I'm still a fan of Turner and Hooch. Like, oh, I love gosh. Turner. Dude, I love that movie, too. It's a great movie. How would you, how would you like to be Jim Belushi in K-9, which is a ripoff of Turner and Hooch? Total ripoff. <laughs> As if we didn't have a bad enough dog movie, well, now Jim, we're going to do another one. Jim Belushi's hey, a total ripoff of his brother, too. I mean, he's, you know, so... It, Turner and uh, Hooch is fantastic. Uh, Turner and Hooch is good, dude. But you, you start getting dog movies, man. Life of a Dog, Marley and Me. Don't get me into that. I can't. I can't. Old I can't Yeller. Right now. Oh, yeah. I can't. I can never do it. I can never do it. Yeah. But I understand it's not the time to talk about those movies. Right I'm, now. I'm at fault for all of this. Somebody in, a, in our chat row there said, uh, Mike, I love the stories that you bring. And sometimes they're very relevant to this conversation. Every now and then, I, I take us off the rails. So I okay. apologize right. for that. Well, I can give you a good like hey, Steve Pierce story as what? Christian Walker hit a home run last night. Uh, oh, I can give you a good Steve Pierce story real quick before we get a break. And it actually has to do with Major League too, the movie. But go ahead. Well, I'll here. I'll tell you what, because we, we have to go to break. I'll just say, I'll just do this with Pierce. He slipped to the fourteenth round, you know, or the ninth round, I think it was of the Major League draft. Was it the ninth round or the fourteenth? Well, he got drafted wow. twice. Remember, he came back for his senior year. Yeah, it was after the second draft yeah. when he left. So it was the. Four, it was. The I ninth. can't remember exact round, but he was, he was with the Pirates when. Um, when I yeah. when I I had a chance to call some of his games against the Braves, uh, and it was like surreal because five years earlier I'm calling his at bats in a regional in a, at Georgia Tech, and five years later we're at PNC Park, and I'm calling a Steve Pierce at bat against Tim Hudson uh, in the major leagues. That is a pinch me moment if there ever was one. Yeah, well he was one of the best hitters to ever come through the University of Absolutely, South and doesn't get enough credit for that. JB, everybody uh, knows Justin Smoke. 
If yeah, Steve but... Pierce played three years, I mean, he's rewriting that record book. Yeah. He's, he's rewriting that record book. Hard to believe that that five-year period, it went from Pierce to Smoke in first base. It's incredible. <laughs> you know? Uh, it is incredible. After, after Trip Kelly and all the other guys. Yeah. But um, I remember when Pierce got drafted, he, he got pissed because his name didn't go earlier in the draft. So he said, screw it, and went and got beer and went out and floated the river in Columbia. And when, <laughs> and when the, That's when about the fo- yeah, and the phone rang, and he answered the phone on the raft floating down the Congaree. And they said, congratulations, Steve. This is Owen, whoever it was, from the Pittsburgh Pirates. We've uh, selected you in the um, – I think it was I – th- I feel like it was the ninth round of the Major League Baseball draft. And Steve goes, that sounds fantastic. You just got the steal of the draft. And he hung up the phone on him. Yeah. Floating down the river. And oh, by the way, he became the MVP of the World Series with the Red Sox. <laughs> And the yeah. cover of, of Sports Illustrated. I'll just say this. Back in the day, this is before 2010, and now you just you download movies, you stream them. Back in the day, you, you, you brought your DVDs on plane trips or bus trips. Well, when we flew, it was rarely charter. It, we'd get one charter once in a blue moon. But for the most part, we were, we were flying commercial. So we're on a trip, I think, to Arkansas. So we got to drive to Charlotte, then we got to fly to XNA, and then we got to drive again through Cal Pastures to get to Fayetteville. Uh, and so Pierce always brought three DVDs, three alone. It wasn't like the Godfather, you know, it wasn't like just classics of America. It certainly wasn't like Citizen Kane or Casablanca. It was major league one, major league two and major league three. And Steve would sit in the back of the plane and he would, oh, he, he did a Lou Brown impersonation. He would sit in the back. Now this is not a charter. So we are surrounded by regular folk that don't know who we are and don't care. They're trying to get to XNA like we're trying to get to XNA. And he'd wait till the, quaint, the plane was the most quiet, and he would always do the same thing. He would just sit there, and, there, and we'd all look at him, and he'd go, Tire World. That was his thing. Like, <laughs> everybody would just start laughing. And he just like 30 minutes later, you know, a little turbulence. The, the PA is on. The flight attendants are done talking. Like, okay, everybody's quiet. Maybe some people are trying to sleep. Pierce. Tire world. That was his. That was his <laughs> trademark. Right. All right, everybody. Ten minutes to game time. Everyone. You may run like maze, but you hit like like shit. Yeah, Lou Brown, like everybody. I can do a little, little Lou Brown. You sound a little like Lou Brown on a. Yeah, uh, I, I got wait. a guy on the other line with a pair of white walls. There you go. All what right. I love this British. I love this British. <laughs> what was that? All right. So I, I texted. Remember, remember, because he had the heart attack in Major League hey, Two, and he's he's jumping he up. He's like, I love magic it. Trick. He just he just disappeared, disappeared in the Liberty Flames Stadium. <laughs> he had to go get concessions. Oh. It's like uh, <laughs> Jamie Chadwell made Mike disappear. Which is that's right. <laughs> but now he's like. So like I'm sitting there like I got watching watching baseball the watching Carolina this past spring and they they made that big comeback against Clemson and I'm texting Jamie and Mike and whoever else I'm like I love this British shit <laughs> like that movie so I think I could say the S word I think I, I think you're li- like you only say the S word like once or twice a week on a podcast without getting in trouble so. Nah. There you go. Well, we're not a podcast. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, yeah. on a show, well, yeah, but you, you have to follow the, like, no, YouTube's not taking us off. So, and, and the app's not taking us off, but the podcasting, you know, the, the, plat, the Apple, you know, they may, they may put a little note in there. Explicit Perry lyrics. Every, Perry does it every week, and I can always count on Patrick Davis well, to do by it. By God, well. Patrick Davis, man, is going to get us no, completely no. canceled. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Are we talking profanity? Yeah, because I, because they the S word. <laughs> 
He's like Patrick. Patrick doesn't even say, "Can I say the S word or the A word?" He's just like, uh, uh, "Can I say the F word here? Can I say the F? I'm gonna say it anyway." Did, did, you, know? did, you, did you tell them how we had to bleep out about seven F bombs from Ryan Leaf in that interview? Uh, Ryan really unreal. It was like, ah, whoa. When we brought up Mike Price getting fired, My I mean, it was, it was Ryan old. just went next level OG. Like it, it was like listening to Scarface. Say <laughs> hello to my little friend. And then I burned out Tuscaloosa. The cockroaches in Tuscaloosa. But no, it's uh, that's uh, crazy, man. But yeah, it's like uh, our our rules are basically kind of like Spurrier, you know. Don't say that F word. You know, occasional shit damn hell's fine, but don't say that F word. Don't say the F word. That, that was his rule. Just don't say that F word. <laughs> well, I'm going to say the B word. It's called break. 1236. We are powered by electric bikes of Charleston. Hi, Michelle. And hi to your whole family. Thanks for what you do. Thanks for getting me back in shape with the hydro rower. Got one in this morning. 20 minutes. Sweated my rear end off, and we are now fired up and ready to go for the rest of the day. And I'll feel like crap tomorrow trying to swing a golf club in Columbia. But we do love you. Uh, electric bikes, charleston.com, charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Steve Pierce, one of two players in the history of Major League Baseball to play for every team in the American League East. There's a little fun fact mm. for you here on a rainy Thursday afternoon. More Mike Morgan, more inside the Gamecocks when we return. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336 259 Seven five five zero. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. 
If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing ga.com schedule a no hassle free inspection today wind damage hail damage or just wear and tear don't settle for second best let jeremy johnson and elite roofing and restoration take care of it all for you today All right, it's 1240. Inside the game packs the show. Live from the center of it studios. Uh, welcome back. And we'll be here, of course, till two o'clock. I got thrown off because the music just cut off all of a sudden. I was expecting uh, I was expecting to sing along to it for a second. Well, but you still can really fade very easily. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, I no, no, I, I I wasn't saying that uh, uh, jerkingly, not jokingly. I was, uh, no. it just caught me off guard. So, uh, we'll have to, well, I'll just have to sing, sing ourselves. Um, big weekend coming up in, in college football. We do have the Fab Five Challenge. It is available on the app right now, the Chief Sports app. If you've downloaded it, then you certainly can head that way and begin submitting your picks. Uh, we will make our picks coming up in hour three. And Mike also, I think, has a winner from last week before I kind of tee up what this week's going to look like. I, I, I thought it'd be a good weekend of college football last week, and it was, Mike. Um, we'll get into a lot of those games here in just a minute, including, of course, South Carolina and Florida. But first and foremost, who is the winner of a Fiesta Pack from Salsaritas? Now, we, we did check, or I actually I'm relying on you to check, the legitimacy of the timing of the entry, right? Yes, yes. Everything was everything I sent you was good. Was on yeah. the level. Okay. Correct. Yep. Uh, we, we run a tight ship here. You you folks that are trying to like fraud the system, you know, and like we sending didn't have them any in this week. Okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't play that game. We you know, yeah. I, as I like to say, there's a there's a certain status that comes with being a Fab Five champion. It doesn't just carry a week. It's not just a sixty dollar prize pack fiesta pack from the great folks uh, Suki over there at Salsaritas in Columbia. It, it's a status symbol. You walk into a bar and you tell somebody, I'm a Fab Five champion. Like, Ladies are buying you drinks. It's just a different deal. You put it on your resume. You get better jobs. So um, just a reminder, we're, we're not just, you know, we're not handing out participation trophies here. Oh. You got to earn these things and you can't beat the system. So well, with that the, being said. The 60 seconds to make the picks, Mike, those 60 seconds are the next 60 years of your life. That's, I could not have said that better myself. It really is. It really is. And if you're already 60, uh, it goes into, if you believe in reincarnation, it, it carries over into a new life ironically enough. So uh, if you're already 60, you're going to be dead before you're another 60, just so you know. So. Right. But when you get reincarnated as like a cricket, you know, those those oh. next 20 years as a cricket, you're going to walk around. You're going to be the biggest, <laughs> you know, like, you're going to have some big cricket energy when you walk into the, the forest. It's what old people do. They die. 
Big Cricket Energy. <laughs> Big Cricket. That's BCE. If we you're need scoring some tickets. It home. We need some that's, t-shirts. Like yeah, seconds. can we get those printed out? Man, that, I was like, cricket I had energy. that in the back of a car one time. <laughs> that dude got some BCE, man. He's got some Big Cricket Energy. Um, Brant Anderson. All right. Brant Anderson is our first participant. Now, we've had some 5-0s and O's with this distinguished panel. Our first listener to go 5-0. and o. Brant had Alabama covering and won. Georgia throttling Kentucky. Oklahoma, who won the game outright. Louisville, that won the game outright. And under 298 for uh, which one? What, what was that again, Jamie? Combined rushing yards in the Carolina game? It was, yes. Uh, no. Uh, no, 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 not in the Carolina game. It was, um, it was, um, Oh, in the Georgia Kentucky game, yeah, combined rushing total it's for combined Georgia. rushing yards. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he had he had um, he had uh, two ninety eight. The the over under I should say for Ray Davis I put at a hundred. He was well below that. He had under. So congratulations, Brandt. By the way, the game that tripped up the most people uh, grading the ballots as I did, uh, Louisville. I think ninety to ninety-five percent of you pick Notre Dame to not just win but cover the five I know, and a half. And I was going to pick Louisville, and y'all let y'all talk me into it. I'll never do that again. Never do that. Always just like the SAT. Uh, hang on to your first instinct. So, Brant, congratulations. Uh, I'm gonna we're, we're gonna shoot you an email, and you'll hook up with Suki to pick that up. Uh, again, folks, this is not. A, I know everybody likes to participate. Like if you if you live four hours away and you're not coming to Columbia anytime soon, play the game for fun with your family. Don't actually participate in the event because this is just these are only the Columbia stores part of this. These are the Suki stores. These are the Glen Gary leads. These are the superior stores in Columbia, South Carolina, led by Suki. Uh, also, he's the guy that happens to be serving it up at williams Bryce Stadium every Saturday, including this Saturday. But, Brant, you've got yourself a $60 Fiesta pack, and uh, we'll get into our next Fab Five at the top of the hour. That's just fantastic. Congratulations, Brant. Um, we're really proud of you. you. You've done a lot in your life to get to this moment. Um, and I know you'd like to thank God and your family and, mm-hmm. uh, and all those whom have blessed you, and um, we'll do that for you. Uh, so thanks. We're honored to be here and in your presence. So have I have a feeling Brant's a good person. I don't, I don't know anything about him um, other than he's went five he's and oh, so I, I think he's good people. He's part of the five and O club here on inside the game cucks. Yeah. Uh, the show, speaking of uh, five and O, one of us will attempt, well, I'll have to go 10 and O, but uh, one of us will attempt to do that this week. We will make those picks coming up here in just a little while, Mike, but um, uh, more on Florida and, and, and Carolina now. Um, you know, we've, we've been kind of slicing and dicing. It is an, a, 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 a crucially important game for season long success. If you ask me, uh, this for both teams, for both teams, uh, because of what lies ahead, uh, following, following this, this ball game. Um, but Mike, they're, they're two, I mean, they have different problems, but they're also, I think two programs in, in kind of kind of similar spots Gamecocks finished much better last year had a better record although Florida beat the crap out of them down in the swamp but they're also still finding their footing trying to kind of create their own identity 
uh, in that logjam middle class of the SEC East. Yeah, look, there's not much about the importance of this game that I can say that hasn't already been said, really for both teams. Um, You know, we've talked about those trio of swing games that I thought would really define this season. This is the first of the three. It's this, it's Missouri, it's Kentucky. Uh, Not to say that the other games aren't important, but I have a certain feeling how the other games are going to go or were going to go. Uh, And obviously Clemson's in its own category. We don't even need to say that. It's implied. It's understood. But these three SEC games, you go two and one, it's a hell of a lot different than going one and two. And if you lose this game at home to Florida, it's really hard to imagine that they're going to go two and one at that point, right? I mean, because it... If you lose this game to Florida, and, and by the way, the, the, the point spread on this game is 100% accurate. Um, I'm sure there are a number of people that cover the team or do talk radio in South Carolina are trying to convince you that you know, this is clearly a, a, an easy going to be an easy win. Like, clearly, Carolina's a better team in Florida. Like, if this game was in the swamp, the point spread would be Florida minus two. So that tells you. Yeah. I actually this, think it'd be more than that. It might be. It might be. But, I mean, it tells you, like, this is not a – I think I think Carolina has a better quarterback, but Florida has a better running game. Neither one of these teams protect the quarterback well at all. You want to talk about an advantage? I know this is somewhat hackneyed of a of a thing. Well, what about special teams? I really do think that's where Carolina can exploit Florida. Florida's been miserable on special teams. There's talk now like they need to they need to hire an actual special teams coach. And we all know that you know you only get so many full-time assistants. Is it still nine guys? I think it's still nine. JC, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. You get uh, you get uh, ten. No, ten. Ten at full-time assistants. Ten okay, full-time. so that's right. They they upped it one. And of course, you can get analysts, but uh, but a lot of coaches over the years have decided, well, we're not going to have a special teams coach. Well, we'll the running backs coach, you handle it. Or obviously, with Shane Beamer, the attention to detail on special teams is different than anybody else, and You've got that, and you've got a, a, a program in Florida this year that has been miserable on special teams. That could very well be the difference in this type of ball game. I don't think there's much separation between the two, honestly. Uh, I'm anticipating a fourth quarter game. I really am. Uh, and at that point, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be who makes you know more plays. I was disappointed to see there's no juice wells, right? That's confirmed. So, again, I go back to any defensive coordinator – that's been in the biz for more than six months is going to virtually double team Xavier Leggett and shade safeties and nickels and linebackers over there because you're not overly worried about the receiver on the other side. So you won't shut down Leggett, but you ain't going to let him go like 12 for 185 yards. You, you shouldn't. That's a good way to get fired if you're a defensive coordinator against Carolina. The other thing I'd like to, to see too, guys, uh, do you remember how the Rams used to use Marshall Falk? And I realize there's no Marshall Falk in the Gamecock backfield. But the way they used him, rather than just hand it off to him and run between the tackles and hope that he gets three, four yards, which has not been a winning formula for success for this Gamecocks unit with that offensive line, if you just throw little passes little circle passes where the back is beyond the line of scrimmage and he catches it. It's almost like a run because now you're already in the second level. Like I'd like to see that because I don't know if they're just going to – they're not going to be able to just gash Florida running the football, but you could be creative about it, right? You could just – I mean, you got some guys that are capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. Just a thought, just a, 
just a rudimentary uh, strategy that I thought of today, thinking about the the issue that Carolina has on the O line is not going to go away completely. It'll be better next year with the freshmen evolving, but uh, maybe maybe just find another way to get those little four yard plays that don't seem to be there very often. Just handing it off. Don't run it at number twenty one. I can't repeat that enough. Big, yeah, big he's, boy, he's the size of a damn tank, dude. You have to, you have to. Last year, that's exactly what South Carolina did. Not good. Let's just run it straight at it. All right, great strategy, Cotton. Yeah, yeah. It's that game yeah. was a disaster. So, yeah, I mean, wear him out, South Carolina. Like I said earlier, South Carolina struggles with guys like that for some reason. So I don't know. I mean, I think I think you win this game. I I, I know the cliche is you got to run and stop the run. Yeah, I never heard that before. Um, I honestly think you got to win this game on Rattler's arm. I I really do. I I think he has to have a big game to Florida, win. And definitely well, can't have that big mistake Mike, like he, he had in Tennessee. You know how many incompletions Spencer Rattler has thrown at home this year? <sighs> Next to none. I mean, he's four. Been, and if, right? the, and if you go back to the Tennessee game last year, it's 13 total. So, I mean, he's been yeah. elite at Williams-Brice Stadium. At 13 is the number because uh, the Gators have lost 13 of their last 14 away from the Swamp. They're a different they, team. They're they're an entirely different team. But, again, it goes back to what I was talking about on Tuesday. Average teams are not successful on the road. They're just not. I don't care who it is. And the SEC this year has a lot of what I would consider, relatively speaking, average teams in that bucket that we talked about. And these are two right now. Neither one of these are great teams that are competing for the SEC championship. So where's your edge? Uh, it, you know, your edge, your your biggest edge is that you're playing the game at Williams-Brice and the crowd's going to be freaking electric and sellout crowd. And that is a factor. Like, that helps you win games. And they are much better – at home, just like Florida's much better at home, and Kentucky's much better at home, and Tennessee's much better. You know, we get it. Um, but I, I think, I think it's a fourth quarter game. I think it's a Spencer Rattler B B A game, Spencer Rattler, and then defensively, um, get off the field. Yeah, just I know. Get but off like, the field. but like, but but like, how like? Florida's not explosive offensively, but they were good enough to, to pretty much gash Tennessee. So, I mean, they've got obviously some weapons. I mean, Pearsall's a pretty good target. They've got some young receivers that they're high on that haven't been great. Oh, and you can bet on this. They're going to have at least two pre-snap penalties. They are – I didn't look this up when I was crunching numbers, but – they are the most pre-snap penalty son of a guns that I've seen in a while. Like just illegal formation, false start, uh, they, you, delay of game, you name it, they do it. So they are they are capable of beating themselves. This is part of the criticism of Billy Napier. Like you can say what you want about Dan Mullen, but Dan Mullen's teams were organized and they had a game plan and they you know they did what they did. They just weren't good enough, and he was he was not all in on this whole recruiting thing. I'm not a big NIL guy. So here's Billy Napier. He's Mr. Recruiting Thing. He's an NIL guy, and he wants to win games the way Georgia wins games, but they don't have the personnel to do that. So Billy well, Na- and, and I'll, I'll make one other point on Florida. If you noticed Missouri, the success they're having, Eli Drinkwitz made a decision that is very hard for some head coaches to do. 
Eli Drinkwitz made his bones on play calling. When he took the job at Missouri, he was calling plays. He decided this year, you know what? I got enough on my plate. It's not working out the way we need it to. I'm going to have somebody else call plays. Billy Napier right now is the play caller in Gainesville. If the season continues the way it is, my guess is he's going to go the Eli route, and he's going to find somebody else to call plays. They, they, that His offense, his system that he brought to the Swamp, is if he wants to win games like Georgia, that ain't nowhere near what they do offensively. I mean, no. it's not even in the. But they don't have Georgia. Who's got Georgia's personnel? They, no. they don't. They don't well, have it. It's look. I. I. This. I'm not. Like we well, just gonna go out and buy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just go buy it. That's right. Mark well, Stoops on line two. You. You don't. And this is. We need to probably. I mean, we we got to hit a timeout here with the top of the hour, but we can't continue. The, the conversation when we get back because you know I don't mean this like personally it's not a personal conversation but Billy Napier is one of the he's got a great offensive mind we I know that I've got a lot of respect for that but there's a lot of great offensive minds who have tried to blend these offensive systems over the year and and it really comes off as kind of gimmicky it really does because you just mentioned it a minute ago Mike and that is the telltale sign of a gimmicky op- offense when you have a ton of pre-snap penalties, people don't know what they're doing. Their 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 brain is is playing faster than their body, and that's a problem. And so, you know, that you you can't be this is exactly not the offense itself, the Xs and Os. This is exactly where South Carolina was with Marcus Hatterfield. Nobody knew what was going on. It was a gimmicky offense, and finally it was like, forget all this crap. Just let these guys just go. It's like in baseball, you know, forget it, forget it. The guy can only throw a fastball for a strike, so let's just locate it and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I think that that is the thing that I've, I've observed the most with offensive systems like Billy's. Dan Mullen had one that was fairly uh, similar. There's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, if you if you don't get it right, it looks like crap. And and at times and it, but then it can look great. It can look great. I'm not saying it can't, but the consistency of looking great, it's just it's not there. And and I think that's where they are personally. That's my that's my theory and thought on it. It's I all. Think, it's, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. It's also uh, unlike Dan Mullen's offense and it, it, scheme wise. If you had to compare it to something, it would be probably what I don't remember. The Mike probably remembers the name of the OC. The 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 must-champ OC that lasted two years at Florida that was for the really good team. Uh, Brent, he came from Boise State. Uh, mm, I know, you're, I know yeah, exactly what you're talking about. He, he ended up getting at fired. Florida? Yeah, he ended up getting fired. Uh, went somewhere as a receivers coach, he got fired there too. I mean, just uh, – but his first year, uh, was they, that was the best year. That was the best year uh, – the old offense they had, I got the name real quick, but he came from, um, you know, he came from uh, Brent Peace. Brent Peace. Brent Peace. Clint, yeah. Clint Brent, yeah, that system's yeah. more similar to, with to more similar to Brent Peace than it is to like a Kurt Roper who they had down there, or to to anything Dan Mullen did. Probably a little bit similar to Jim McElwain, but not really because of the they have a. a it's like McElwain and Nussmeyer's offense, which Florida fans freaking hated. Uh, with a quarterback run element. His system was good at Louisiana because they had a quarterback with wheels. And and they'd they'd hit you. They'd 
run with the backs, run with the backs, run with the backs, run with the quarterback, run, 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 and then, you know, throw. Well, that's it, what they were planning to do, but the $14 yeah. million dollar check didn't clear, apparently. Yeah, I mean, at Clemson, at Clemson when he was the OC there, same thing. Fired. I mean, first year he, he got fired, but uh, when he had C.J. Spiller and Kyle Parker who could run, and, and I mean, they would, you know, he was fine. You know but then Florida once those guys left, want, that was it. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong here. You know what Florida fans want? They want Lincoln Riley. They want that offense. Oh, no question. Well, think about who they went after uh, when they hired Dan Mullen, but they got two no's. Yeah. And they, they really wanted Chip Kelly. Right. And it, I mean, they, they, they want but but Chip said, no, I'm, I'd rather be out west and not feel the pressure and the, of the grind of the SEC. And uh, that's what it. he did. But, yeah, they'd love Lincoln Riley, sure. But, now they're going to the Big Ten. Sorry, Chip. You're going back to Philly. You got to go play Rutgers. Well, you know, JC has a, a term that I really well, like that he's used. <laughs> lovely Piscataway. Um, it, it, caged animal syndrome on hires. And basically, that refers to a, prog- a, a program that has had success that wants to get back to where they are and they've tried other other guys and it hasn't worked out. And finally, the, the, you know, the alums and everybody gets together going, no, 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 no. That's enough. Here's a blank check, and you get this guy. Well, look, when when Jeremy Foley hired Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer was at Utah, and and yes, it, it took a lot to get him. But like, you're not just going to steal one of those guys away. the The Lincoln Riley situation was very unique, uh, and I've been to Norman, Oklahoma, and I've been to L.A. And I like if you got a family. L.A. is not the worst place in the world to live, especially when you've got the means to live in a private, gated community where you're not worried about getting shot everywhere. Like the L.A. and the San Francisco you see on TV, the, the extremely wealthy, they don't worry about those problems. They let everybody else worry about it. Uh, but they're not concerned because they don't live in that same neighborhood. But Florida can't just go out and get, a again, caged animal syndrome. They can't just go and get whoever, the, whoever they want. This is the problem with fan bases in general. This is the problem was was at Tennessee when they thought they could get John Gruden 20 different times and they thought they could get Chip Kelly away. And, Ooh, they thought, and then what, what happened was, what are you talking about? Yeah, well, I'm getting there. What happened was they wind up, they wound up, you know, hiring a guy that the AD knew from UCF and it's worked out pretty well so far. Although I, I promise you that Tennessee team, I'm talking about it for nine months. They were not going to be as good as they were a year ago, losing what they lost. They don't have a hen and hooker quarterback. They don't have those two NFL wideouts, and they look a lot more pedestrian. They really do. I know that wasn't the case against Carolina, but for the most part, they look a lot more, particularly on the road, they look a lot more pedestrian. Mm-hmm. That higher, I'll grade it in like two or three more years. But all these – LSU's first choice, remember now, was Jimbo. We're getting Jimbo because we're LSU. Well, no, you're not. Jimbo's, Jimbo's where he's at. He's not leaving. So the the difference between fan reality of who you should hire as a coach and big booster, I'm going to write a big check and get whoever I want because I'm a, I got a lot of money, versus the reality of who an AD can hire, and that's what Scott Strickland's going through now. You know, hired Dan Mullen, which I would have hired Dan Mullen. I mean, he was only the offensive coordinator for the national championship with Tim Tebow and all that. One of the best play callers at Mississippi State took them to new heights, but it didn't work out. And now Billy Napier was the hot name that a lot of programs wanted. And if they lose this game in Columbia, the the talk about Billy Napier, it's already bubbling. Mm-hmm. 
It, it's already bubbling. And these aren't like fringe message board guys. These are like guys that really think that this is not going to work out. And the they're bull, already there. The Bull Gators. They're famous. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, like the, it, it's like the Red, Red Elephant Club in Alabama. Yeah. Hypothetically, if Carolina loses this game 24, 23, whatever, if you go, if, you, if your first gut instinct is to go and race and say fire Shane Beamer, I, you, you've lost your mind. You've lost your mind. Oh, you, oh no, that's perfectly normal. It, it, I mean, fire it, everybody. It, it's 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 not the same situation. Like Shane has Shane already has collateral with what he's done in a short amount of time. Billy doesn't have that collateral. No, Shane already has some equity. Billy doesn't have that. So there's a big difference right off the bat. Not to mention what Shane inherited. And I know there was some talent, but the program clearly, it was in a bad spot when he got that job. Florida, here's what Florida needs to do. Here's my prescription for Gator greatness, right? You all ready? You need to go hire Cliff Kingsbury. You need to take all this money you're paying Napier after you pay his buyout. Coach Bro? And you need to give Coach Bro... You get to say, you let him hire a general manager, one of these personnel guys that not only can help him with personnel recruiting wise, but also coaching wise. Give him a blank check for the best defensive coordinator money can buy. Give him a blank check for the best staff people can buy. And then recruit your ass off as to who you are. Your D, I also use this a lot, Mike DNA of a program. Right. Florida fans, if you're out there losing games 45 42, they're a little more lenient on you that if you play man ball like Will Muschamp tried to do, like Jim McElwain tried to do, you know, Dan Mullen did not, but that was a different can of worms that they were unhappy with. You know, they're going to be extremely unhappy. They don't like winning games 20 to 16. That's right. They'd rather do that than lose, but, but yeah, they're not into the defense. That's not what built that program. They were that program that would get beat 16 to 7 under guys like uh, Galen Hall and, and freaking Charlie Pell. And, uh, you know, but, but, but back in the 60s, guess what? They had a quarter uh, a coach named Ray Graves. I think Ray Graves, is his name? Yeah, the coach right. Spur that for his time was innovative and threw the ball around. Well, guess what? They had a guy that won a Heisman Trophy and a, and a Sugar Bowl, right? Okay, so, so the DNA of that program is not to beat Georgia and Alabama. It's to be the high-flying Gators. And you got to go yeah. do it. And, and you, one I, other I, thing. And the high school talent in Florida is set up for you to do that. Well, that's the, the other thing. That's the other thing, JC, because th this point's been made, and it's not the wrong point, and I know we're way past time. I'm going to make this one point. got to get to break. Uh, it's not the wrong point. It's just not the full story. I, I was on uh, uh, with, with Shane Matthews not long ago, and he's made this point too. You know, Shane got there in the '90s under Spurrier, and I mean, right off the bat, they're lighting up, they're setting SEC records, they're winning big games, and Shane is a tell it like it is radio analyst, by the way. Unlike a lot of schools that you know they're clearly in the tank for the school and they're not going to give it to you straight. Uh, Shane will be critical of Billy Napier. He'll be critical of the administration. He doesn't care. He doesn't give two f's. Like, he, he's got his own business. If you want to fire him for speaking truth, go ahead. But he will defend the fact that for Billy Napier in year two, look, what was Gator football for 80 years before Spurrier got there? What was Gator football uh, outside of Urban Meyer? You just mentioned the, the recruiting. The, the, the population boom in the southeast gives 
programs like Florida State, Florida, and yes, the U Dog, an advantage that they didn't have in the fifties, the sixties, the seventies. So it, to me, the two are not analogous. You can't compare what recruiting in the state of Florida was like in 1960 versus what it is in 2023 when it's one of the most populated states and has talent everywhere. And you could just recruit the 561, uh, 954 area codes, and, and that's Broward, West Palm, uh, Palm Beach, and Dade counties, and put together a hell of a lineup. You should be good. And Florida State sucked before Bobby Bowden became a power in the 80s. Again, the migration of a lot of talent to that state. There's no excuse for Florida Florida State to not be good in college football. I'm sorry. There, there's just not in this day and age. And Florida State was awful for a period of time. They hired some pretty bad coaches. And then they had another coach that won a national title in Jimbo Fisher who checked out. He was upset with facilities. He was upset with this, that, and the other, and it went south fast. Uh, Florida's made some bad hires. They simply have made some bad hires. And whether or not Billy Napier survives, who knows? But, again, there's no reason why those programs, they've got such an advantage. Like, we always talk about the advantage Georgia has in recruiting. I mean, Florida's got <laughs> Florida's got that same advantage. They just have to split it up among more schools, and Georgia does because Georgia Tech doesn't get any of them. All right. Time out. Got to step aside. Chicken Cox serves us here on Inside the Game Cox the show. I'm going to need plenty of that by the end of the day, by the end of the weekend. Actually, I'll have some of that tomorrow at the Letterman's Bowl. All hail to the Chicken Cox. That five challenge coming up Inside the Game Cox the show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. One door 
Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my Hey Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington in the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number, 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online, or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time 803-543-6297 Yeah, now that we're hungry Welcome back inside mm. the Gamecocks The show Built by the Barn Co The Barndominiumco.com By the way, hats off to Gamecock Baseball uh, They will be attending uh, a, a trunk or treat in Spartanburg coming up here in less than a couple of weeks for um, for uh, the uh, Miracle League in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And our friends at the Barndo Co. are very, very, very closely tied. They are major contributors to the Miracle League here in the state of South Carolina. And uh, so they reached out to us. We reached out to Gamecock Baseball because all the kids – wanted Gamecock baseball to be there and run around the field with them for a little bit before they do the trunk or treat and all that type of stuff. So uh, Coach Kingston and his staff absolutely jumped in and, and they're going to send a few players up the road to the Sparkle City and uh, and and create some make some dreams come true for a bunch of young men and young ladies uh, as part of the uh, the Spartanburg Miracle League. So that is really cool. Looking forward to that. And um, and uh, and. Go Gamecock Baseball. Well done, boys. Appreciate y'all doing that. Uh, it is also uh, a day that should literally be celebrated 365 days a year because what will we do without them? It is National Farmers Day. Love our farmers. I've worked on a farm for seven years. You've seen the hard work these guys and gals put in. So if you know a farmer, give them a call and a hug and a gift card to Salsaritas because uh, today, is, <laughs> today is their day. Amen. Mike, the floor is yours, Mr. Morgan. Hey, by the way, uh, one of our listeners sent a really nice um, uh, note, and he was not a winner of the Fab Five Challenge. He just happened to order up on the uh, Salsaritas hotline. You see that phone number uh, on your screen if you're watching us on YouTube. 
uh, 803-543-6297. He got the Three Amigo bundle because he had a big group. The Fiesta Packs like serves about five to six. But uh, a reminder, you don't have to be a winner of the Fab Five to still enjoy Salsaritas uh, catering made easy. They're not in business to just give away. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) they've actually been pretty successful without giving away free food. Uh, Fresh hot setup, really good. And say hello to Suki. He'll be at Williams Bryce uh, in the. I think it's the South Stands is where their setup is. So he's in. He's in the uh, in the Cockaboos Club. Okay, yeah, Suki's a rock star. If you haven't met him, uh, say hello to him. Good dude. I've known him for twenty years, and man knows how to run good restaurants and uh, salseritas would definitely yeah, qualify we, for that. We actually were doing, um, I was actually talking to coach Lake yesterday. I was talking to him about you too, Mike. Um, he said he was going to call you. So if he didn't call you last he night, did. No, he did. No, he did. Okay. Uh, yeah. I was waiting for the, the, uh, I'm going to call him out here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was said, like, yeah, okay, well, how'd that conversation go? Uh, uh, that Morgan's an SOB, but I got to call him. Yeah, God, you know, I hadn't talked to damn Mike Morgan in three weeks. I guess I better <laughs> check in on him. I said, now nah, he's doing all right. You can see him. Stu is Stu is good, good peeps. Um, yeah, he's the man. And um, but we were actually he, he he comes he'll stop by where my family and I park on Saturdays and tailgate for games in Columbia. Um, usually you can count on him coming through, and then Coach Kingston will come through and say hello to everybody. And uh, so we we it. Kind of, he mentioned yesterday, well, I'll stop by and see you this weekend. And I said, okay. I said, well, damn, we got to set the tailgate menu for the rest of the year. And uh, we are doing a low country boil one weekend. And, but then I, and, and Cisco is going to do some honey baked ham platters for us one weekend. So I texted my cousin. I said, we need to do a salsarita spread one there weekend and take the cooking. I cook every weekend. Like I want to have a couple where I don't. So. Sure. So there you go. We've got five games to plan for. So Salsaritas, you're on the clock coming up. You're on the clock. Come through in the clutch, please. Uh, By the way, for Nathan, uh, he's he wants me to accept a pickleball challenge in Chambly. Chambly is a suburb of Atlanta, not far from where I live. Uh, I'm down. I'm down. I'm nursing a little bit of a. I think it's a slight tear in my calf playing basketball uh, the other day. Uh, I was feeling it. I was lighting it up playing some of my best ball in a while and then uh by like game seven uh went up for a drive in traffic and came down and felt something i've never felt before Uh, above the achilles thank god but just below the calf and that's not a good feeling so i'm on i'm on the questionable i'm questioned but i will play i'm I'm gonna heal up and i do play pick my wife and i do play pickleball i enjoy it uh i'm down so, Nathan, you have uh, Jamie set that up. He's kind of the commissioner of such events. All yeah. right, so the Fab Five, you see the records. Uh, I uh, Last week went 5-0. and oh. It's my second 5-0 and oh of the season. I've never had two 5-0s and oh's in like the first month and a half. Never. And no one's ever gone 5-0 and oh back-to-back weeks. So there's a lot of history going on here, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on. So, uh, yes, it, it, it felt good. 29 and 1, JB's 19 and 6. We're going to make him pick 10 so he has an even number. JC 16, 13 and 1, and Phil 16, 13. I mean, it's still anybody's game. It's a fourth quarter game, the Fab Five Challenge. I mean, you know, nobody should get too cocky at this point in time. So, with that being said, let's go for the five this week. I believe we got some music for this, did we not, Phil? A little, uh, little background that we used on the Love Chevy drive around the SEC. I heard one of the fellas playing this in the uh, in the gym, and I was like, "We need that on the show." 
Weenie, because, I mean, we, we cover all the demos here. We're like teenagers to senior citizens to the people calling up Brian Spencer for his Medicare. That's got a nice little beat to it, don't you think? Are you guys good with this? Yeah, between this that be? and the Mexican music, I mean, this is... <laughs> We can yes, always fire up the Murray. That's very diverse in our taste. There's no doubt about that. Dr. Dre, what do you want? Yeah. I, I want some, I want some Chief. And, uh, I got some Chief in here. I got some Chief. Buffett. Got some All of that. Hey, look, I, I got country cred. I I, you, I did see Stapleton and George Strait in Denver just Dude, a couple months ago. I got to oh, give Mike credit for that. He, uh, yeah, he rocked it. He rocked it hard. Rocked it. Gave a little play by play from from George Strait, <laughs> the king. If, if you know about those two guys, like they they they'll keep playing all night if you don't kick them off. This that was like a four hour concert. Yeah, it was. Well, yeah. George doesn't really play. He just he acts like he's playing. Stapleton. Oh man, are you taking a shot at George Strait on this no, show? No, I, I'm t- I had to learn that hard truth twenty years ago. George doesn't doesn't play guitar. He just but he's singing. He sings, but there's a difference. Yeah. Playing. Well, I don't care what he's doing with his hands. As long as he can, can hold a tune, I'm, I'm good with that. All right, here we go. Without further ado, Tennessee minus three and a half against Texas A&M. That game is in Knoxville. We'll start with JB. Yeah. You know, this is the, only the fifth all-time meeting between uh, these two schools. I don't know if you realize that or not. I, uh, A&M has only played one game. Well, they played one neutral side game, but only one true road game this year, and that was in Miami, and they, did, they didn't play well. Um, so I have concerns about them going on the road and playing well in Neyland. So I'm actually going to take Tennessee uh, to cover that. Mad Dog. I'm inclined to be with JB on this one. I think Tennessee gets A&M at home and covers. Sherp Nation. I'm not going back. I'm not, the Texas schools are dead to me. Um, <laughs> I, I, I jump on the bandwagon last week. I, I, I rarely would pick against Alabama. Rarely have I ever pick against Bama. And I was like, well, this this is – I was like uh, Sean Aston from the Goonies. It's our time. It's our time down here. It's our time, Aggies. Yeehaw! And they just embarrassed me. So, uh, look, it's going to be D-line, O-line. Uh, I, I can see a scenario where – A&M's defensive line destroys Joe Milton in the running game. Uh, I do think it's going to be low scoring. People are people are already thinking it's a shootout because of the two Bobby Petrino versus Josh Heupel. Tennessee leads the country in sacks. A&M has protection problems. Uh, I think twenty four twenty Vols. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm in agreement with you guys, but I wanted to kind of let everybody know what my thought process was there. I, I think it'll be a close, low scoring game and. Uh, the the home field will will make a difference at the end. I'm going against everybody, and I'm taking a And M. I don't think this is a great Tennessee team. Uh, the games they have been good at, they have gashed opponents. They have run all over them. I don't think you're doing that against a And M. And I have just enough faith in Petrino and Max Johnson and Anaya Smith to put enough on the board. And you're giving me three and a half. I'll take the Aggies. Uh, great game out west. This is one of those where if it was in the SEC, the, the hype train on this game would be unreal. But it's out west, so not going to get quite the same love. But Washington, a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Oregon Ducks. Mad Dog, take it away. I am 
I'm going against the home team in this one. I like Oregon to win, actually, not just cover the two and a half. I think it's close, though. Probably a field goal late. Uh, JC. People don't understand what kind of a rivalry this is. I have a good friend that's an Oregon fan, like not a bandwagon Oregon fan because they have a lot just like Miami. But uh, like a dude <laughs> that grew up in freaking Oregon. And I was talking to my dad. I was like, well, you know, I bet you hate that Oregon State, don't you? He's like, eh. Hey, I don't, I don't like the Beavers, but I freaking hate you, Dub. I hate you, Dub. And if you ask Washington fans, too, like who do they hate worse, Wazoo or Oregon? A lot of them will say Oregon. It's like Michigan, Ohio State out in the Pacific Northwest. These two schools hate each other. I'm going to go with Washington. And uh, I say that uh, because my whole thing is Oregon plays defense and the rest of the Pac-12 doesn't. But I think Washington's got too much too much firepower. I think Kalen DeBoer is one of the most underrated, under-talked about coaches in the country. Look, let, listen to the coaches that have gone through Washington, right? Sarkeesian, right? Chris Peterson. Jimmy Lake, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sucked. But uh, and then this guy comes, you know, he's two years away away from removed, three years removed from being the court offensive coordinator at Indy freaking Anna. He gets the Washington job. He's better than all of them. He's better than all of them. And uh, so I'm I'm gonna go with U Dub on this one just because of Kayla DeBoer. I kind of hope I'm wrong in a lot of ways, but. Uh, uh, let's go. Let's go with the home team on the shores of Lake Columbia. That's one place, guys, on my bucket list of places I would like to go see a game one day. That's a great setting. Me too. Uh, but let's let's do a road trip on that one. I've I've never been able to uh, to go out there to watch a game yeah. or call a game. It's it's definitely I, on the list. I've uh, been to the campus and I've seen where it happens. I've seen where the yeah. magic happens. I've been to the campus for a camp, but I never never watched a game. Been to Seattle uh, and Vancouver, but I've avoided the campus. Uh, that needs to change. Uh, Washington, I, I uh, going along with your logic, JC. I'm also point out. I think they have the best trio of wideouts in the country. Uh, Penix has been almost just like a surgeon out there. It, it, that's the real matchup within the matchup, right? It's it's a Washington offense that nobody's even been able to slow down against the Dan Lanning Oregon defense. I'm going to give Washington an edge. I'll take the Huskies. Uh, Jamie. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Michael Penix, uh, this will be the game that he plays well. And, uh, well, he's always played He has played well. This will be the game where he plays well, and this whole Heisman conversation really kind of starts to pick up a little bit more for him. Um, I think that they uh, will cover for the reasons both of you stated. This, this, this series, by the way, used to be neck and neck. Oregon's won 15 of the last 18, uh, but I don't think that they'll win with that crowd on uh, on Saturday. They'll be fired up. Washington wins. There's a great stat I had on this game comparing. So it's a top 10 matchup, right? And I think it's like one of seven in the last however many years in the pack. And Chris Felica, the Bear, now with Fox, pointed out how that number stacks up against the SEC which has had just a million top 10 matchups over that same stretch. But it's, it's huge for the Pack or what's going to be the Big Ten. So looking forward to that game. Uh, okay, Kentucky licking its wounds. Two-and-a-half-point favorite against Mizzou. Licking its wounds in, different, in a different way. A heartbreaking loss for Mizzou down the stretch. And Kentucky just got throttled by Georgia JC. How do you see it? 
I mean, th- this one's always close um, and weird endings too, especially when it's in Como, not so much in Lexington. Uh, I, I, I don't know whose balloon got popped harder last week, uh, Kentucky's or, or, or Missouri's. I mean, Missouri is probably more mentally down because, you know, when you get blown out by the fourth quarter, you're just sitting there already thinking about the next week. You blow a big lead like that, and it's just very disheartening. Uh, I'm going to go with the Wildcats at home. Um, I think they'll uh, win by a field goal and cover that the point five points, and the Gamecocks will get a Missouri team that's reeling. I don't know if that's good or bad for Carolina uh, here in a couple weeks in Como. I'll take Kentucky as well. Hey, they've got more NIL money than Missouri. It comes down to that, right? No, in all seriousness, I think uh, Kentucky is a much better matchup a- against Missouri. Ray Davis in that running game will make a return performance. Uh, I think it's going to be a good game. I really do. But I'll take I'll take the big blue wall, Ray Davis, Coach White, scheming it up on defense. I'll take Kentucky laying the two and a half. Jamie? Yeah, it, night, 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 I think, is the difference here. I think it's going to be a pretty, pretty raucous environment, both these teams trying to get back on track uh missouri has been really outside of in 2020 kentucky's owned them since 2015 and um it's been a while since they've gone up there and won so i'll take kentucky it's uh i'll I'll say this though we've got it mike at uh at uh two and a half yeah if it was much more than that i don't know if i would but but i'll take i'll take the wildcats mad dog Oh, I'm, I'm with you fellers. Uh, I like the cats at home at night, even though everybody is coming off a reeling. Uh, I think Ray Davis gets it going and, and Mike, you've said it before, you know, that defensive coordinator at Kentucky is the real deal. Brad White, and he is, he's without a doubt, uh, one of the best in the biz. Okay. Uh, Notre Dame, a two and a half point favorite against Southern Cal. Um, I guess I'm starting off on this one. Yeah, this is this to me is the hardest game to pick on the board. Mm-hmm. I really don't want to pick this game. I agree. I got late word. It's going to be rainy in South Bend. JC, you you're close. Is that oh, about yeah. right? Raining uh, all week. It starts sort of yesterday. It's supposed to rain all weekend here. <sighs> can they have 11 men on the field every play on defense? Can we can we do that, South Bend? Um. Southern Cal, I'm playing any defense. I'm, I'm the Sam Hartman factor is going to push it over the edge for me. I'm going to take Notre Dame, and I know I'm going to regret it, and I'm going to sit here a week from now and go, I'm an idiot. But I'll take Notre Dame, laying the two and a half. Uh, Jamie, I, I, you know, my, I, I don't, I, I don't trust Notre Dame right now offensively. I, I don't I blame it. you. You know, uh, they're going to score more than they've been scoring because Southern Cal can't stop anybody. But um, they can't score with Lincoln Riley and fight on. So I, I'm on. I'm going to take uh, because it's it's small. It's two and a half. I, I'm going to take the, the Trojans to to go in there and win and cover it. Mad Dog Notre Dame. I said it yesterday. Uh, Southern Cal doesn't play any defense. Uh, I like hearing about all this rain. That's good. 
So, yeah, I like it. This is a tough one to, to, to pick, but I convinced myself earlier in the week that if we were going to do this, I'm going with the, the Golden Dome as opposed to the Trojans because I'm, I'm not buying any of that at all this year. <laughs> Golden Sherb. I get in bigger trouble when I speak positively about Notre Dame than negatively around here. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with the Trojans, and I don't think it'll be particularly close. And here's why: I don't like the mental the mental approach of this Notre Dame football team. Uh, I, I thought that the whining after the loss to Ohio State, especially by Sam Hartman, who's a high character, especially high character kid, talking about it's gonna it's gonna linger with us for a while. Well, yeah, it did. You almost got beat by Duke. And then you did get you went down to Louisville like like nothing. Um, I, sure, Notre Dame's going to score. Sure, Notre Dame's going to be able to run the ball. Sure, Southern Cal's not going to stop anybody, but that's not going to keep Southern Cal even on a slow field like this, where you know it's actually sometimes beneficial for the receivers because they know where they're going. Mm-hmm. The D backs don't. Uh, I'll take Caleb Williams and the Trojans like forty eight thirty five over Notre Dame, and, right. and, and it'll be a forty eight twenty one deal. And Notre Dame will score a couple of garbage touchdowns to keep it that close. I hope you're listening, Nat. Um, okay, the fifth and final, we go to the prop on the Carolina-Florida game. I, I talked about this on Tuesday. The amount of sacks both these teams have surrendered is startling. Um, so here we go. Total sacks in the game combined, eight and a half. Eight oh, and a half. Uh, oh, hold on. <laughs> we had nine and a half in your. In oh, your I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. I uh, I made a late adjustment based on some late information. Nine and a half. Nine and a half. I had some. Num- I had people under. in the lab downstairs crunching numbers. It's under because neither one of them yeah. can sack anybody either. So I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll go under. Way under. Way under. Okay. Yeah, Fight yeah. and fill. Yeah. I'm I'm the same. I'm I'm the same. Uh, way under. Uh, I don't think it gets to five. JC going over. What? Whoa. Nine and a half. I think I think both teams will give up some sacks. I think I think the game guys will get some tricky good sacks. Yeah, there's going to be sacks in this game. I I have no I have no doubt about that. Um, the number is a little high for me, so I'm going to go under, but. I think it's something to look out for. I mean, sacks are not turnovers, but man, they just take the air out of a drive. They just six, six is the number. Six is the number. Okay, Jamie, very confident. He's guaranteeing under. I think that's Guaranteed. what he really is saying. All right, there it is. There, there is your Fab Five again. You can go on the Chief Sports app. You can go right on the Salsaritas tab and uh, pick your games there. There's also a little uh, button that I can't get to work on my phone because my phone sucks. That'll say order Salsaritas now if you want to go ahead and get ready for the big weekend, get some tailgating, or you can call that phone number. Again, uh, 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Tell Suki and the gang you heard about it here on IT. Hey, yo, Suki! Hey, do you, you uh, so do I need to submit the rest of my five to you? y'all? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, you want it? All right, real quick, rapid fire. Yeah. Right. Rapid okay. fire for Jamie. Rapid um, fire for Jamie. The LSU Auburn game. LSU eleven and a half point favorites. Do we know who they are? I don't know. Uh, I Auburn. You know, it's that's a that's a 
that's a strange game to pick. You talk about being uncomfortable picking the Southern Cal Notre Dame game. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually take LSU to cover that late. Okay. Uh, at eleven and a half, which is you know whatever. I'm gonna take Wyoming to cover the ten and a half against uh, Air Force. Air Force. I'm riding riding my pokes, man. Riding my pokes right now. What Two of the better here? stories this year in college football. Love Coach Calhoun of Air Force. Love the story of Wyoming. We've talked about both those on the show. Mm-hmm. Big number here for Georgia. 31.5-point favorites over Vanderbilt. And, you know, generally that's a no-no. Well, Georgia played their la- their best game of the year last, last week. Uh, the last two seasons, Georgia has combined to beat Vanderbilt 117 to nothing. Give me Georgia in the 31-and-a-half. you disrespecting the, the hometown crowd of the Commodores? You don't think that's going to be a factor? Especially the hometown crowd of the dogs. Uh, they will uh, they will have more people there than Vanderbilt will. Uh, so uh, Georgia will cover that. And then um, Maryland is a 14-point favorite at home against Illinois, if I'm correct, Mike. Mm-hmm. Um, which, I, you know, that Maryland last week, uh, you know, for a while they really they hung in there. You know, they I was enjoying praying to God that they could pull it off, but they, they didn't. Um, you know, Illinois, I think, is just going to get worse. So I'm going to take Maryland to cover that 14. Okay. And, um, and Illinois is 0 3 in the Big Ten, 2 and 4 overall. This is going to either, they're either going to play really well and I'm going to be dead wrong, um, or they're just, it's over for the rest of the year. And then, oh my God, Virginia Tech is a one and a half point favorite over Wake Forest. <laughs> okay, um, you know, uh, I, I just does anybody really trust uh, Virginia Tech right now? I, no, uh, n- not a lot no. of not a lot of thinking goes into this. I'm going to take Wake to go on the road and 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 up and and that's not an upset. Wake to go on the road and win. No, Wake has wait. quarterback way bad quarterback problems. Bad they do, but v- Virginia Tech has bigger problems, though. I and I totally understand what you're saying. They don't have a quarter. They don't have a quarterback. Um, it's it's hard to but, watch. Uh, I again, none of us have any stake in the success of Virginia Virginia Tech football, but it is hard to watch two once proud programs be at the bottom of the ACC. Yeah, I, I and be the, this bad. Yeah, and the Virginia Tech look. Virginia Tech hung thirty-eight on Pitt last week. Pitt's not any good. Outside of that, their offense this year has just been pitiful. I mean, it's not been good. So, uh, yeah. all right, there you have it. All the right, Fab Five go. and the Fab Ten for Jamie, one Jamie Bradford. We wish everybody the best of luck. Uh, maybe we have another five and zero this week. Somebody's life will change, no doubt about that. And it'll be uh, the change will only begin with great food from Suki and Salsaritas. It'll continue for a lifetime, and we hope that you enjoy that uh, prestigious honor. And we will continue for another 20 minutes. We need to step aside for our final time out of the afternoon. Coming up today, by the way, at about 5 o'clock, about 5 o'clock, 24-7 Sports will release their newest top 247 for 2024. You recruiting nerds? I've seen it. Get your notebooks out and um, get ready to fuss, discuss, and be pissed off. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. 
And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. In the time we're in now, in this wild world around us, uh, thoughts and prayers with all of those in the Middle East, uh, Israel. It's just a tragedy. And the U.S. troops who were setting the stage to uh, direct traffic, so to speak, over there, uh, we will have you in our thoughts and prayers as well. Final segment here on a what's been a rainy Thursday afternoon, but it's uh, all set to clear up for the ball games. Um, coming up this weekend, as a reminder, I mentioned it at the top of the program as soon as it hit my inbox from the SEC, but the 2023 uh, SEC football legends class has been announced, and the Gamecocks are represented by Marcus Lattimore, which is really incredible. It just does not seem at all like it was 11 years ago when he was toting the rock uh, for the final time for the Gamecocks. Brought a lot of great memories to williams Bryce Stadium and other ballparks for Carolina fans around the SEC. This class will be honored, by the way, at the Weekend of Champions in Atlanta on uh, December 1st and 2nd uh, for the SEC championship game at Mercedes-Benz that Saturday, December the 2nd. So if you'd like to jump in the car and go there and spend a couple of nights with the golden tones of Mike Morgan, you can do that and uh, be able to catch a game while you're in the ATL, but uh, quite the career for Marcus Lattimore and uh, quite the honor, of course, for him to be recognized by the the Southeastern Conference uh, here in 2020. One of the most important recruits in the history of the program. I don't think that's hyperbole. You can make the argument that he was. He was the most important recruit. I'm not sure. I mean, Connor, you can name all those other guys, but if it wasn't for Marcus Lattimore, you don't have that banner and you don't have a lot of other guys that committed after he did. Of course, know, he'll say he'll say the most important recruit was Stephon Gilmore because Stephon's the one that started this whole train. So that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I mean, there's there's you go back to that time period, and I remember I remember when JC and I did the box for the short time that we were both there before we moved on to bigger things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but one thing I think we both felt is that. There wasn't going to be this kind of crop of players centralized in South Carolina to all be there around the same couple year period, and almost all of them went to Carolina over Clemson. Like that was that was a special group. When you think of Lattimore and Gilmore and Clowney and Jeffrey and like that, just Swearinger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that just doesn't Holloman. That just doesn't happen. Well, a lot. Yeah, you, you right, had them at, at posi- you had them at positions too that 
like Marcus. Okay. So, and, and Craig, I can't give you the list right now. You have to wait for it to come out. It's embargoed and I'm contractually obligated to not talk about that right now. I know I rolled my eyes a little bit, but that's all I'm going to say. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, but uh, look, Marcus, Carolina was seven and six, a respectable seven and six in 09. Okay. Uh, there were signs of life that season. You know, the Gamecocks played the Gators tough. Uh, they beat Clemson, the Clemson team that won their first Atlantic Division championship, uh, coordinated by Mr. Billy Napier. <laughs> uh, that was Dabo's first team that broke through. Um, they beat Ole Miss at home that year when Ole Miss was ranked third in the country with Houston Nutt and Jevin Sneed. But that team could not run the ball to save its daggum life. <laughs> hey, Kenny Miles in there kind of eked out yards here and there. So – and and Brian Maddox, who wasn't uh, didn't play a whole lot for some reason. So Marcus comes in, and all of a sudden, you don't have to depend on of the passing game to be great, and you still have freaks like Alshon Jeffrey and Tory Gurley uh, in that passing game. A Sanders was a freshman on that 2010 team, and in every significant game, Marcus had a big game. All every sorry, every significant win. Uh, you know, the, the, the game against Georgia was obviously legendary. Um, the game against Florida at the Swamp, uh, Alabama, he didn't quite get 100 yards. We had 23 carries for 93 yards. And in the second half, huge difference maker. Uh, if it weren't for Mar- – Marcus made the most tangible impact on the program as far as wins and losses go from the moment he stepped on campus. And, you know, even battling back from – both from the first injury, you know, in 2012, that big one over Georgia, man, Marcus was what 22 carries for 110 yards. He, he Georgia was his his game. He went for 162, 197, and 110 against the Dogs. All three Carolina wins, first time in school history the Gamecocks have won three in a row against Georgia. Um, as big as Clowney was, and it was big. You know, from a from a promotional standpoint, and Jadevion was a hell of a player. Uh, Marcus was the most important. I, I think during that time period too, Mike. What's interesting about it is that the position. So you had a generational running back in Marcus Lattimore, not just a not just a good one, not just a, like a like a good player like a Brandon Bennett or a Mike Davis or somebody like that, or Harold Green. Uh, you know, he was he was generation special. Uh, well, then you had a freak receiver in Alshon Jeffrey. Now, the states had freak receivers, everybody from Debo Samuel to A.J. Green to Brian Edwards to Mike Williams that played at Clemson. It puts them out. But Alshon at the time was one of those freak receivers. Okay, then you had a corner who has gone on to be a defensive MVP in the NFL, you know, that played, played quarterback that they you know in high school, and they got him over Alabama. Um you know, it, it was it was those guys. It wasn't just that they were really good, highly ranked players out of the state. It's that they made impacts at positions that outside a quarterback can really make a difference for your football team. You always need pass rushers. You always need slide down corners. You always need freak receivers, and uh, you always, uh, in my opinion, you know, it's very very helpful to have an elite running back. So there you go. I remember. Uh... And I know he was a bad name after he left, but uh, Reeves was it John Reeves? I always forget the David team. Reeves. David, David Reeves. Reeves. John Reeves was dead. I remember running into David Reeves right around the time that the the, the recruitment of Lattimore was hot. I mean, it was everybody wanted to know: Are we going to get this kid or what? 
and uh, I ran into him at a. They finally opened up a steakhouse in Columbia. It only took like a hundred years. They opened up a Roos Chris, which thankfully now there's a Halls. So, um, no offense to Roos Chris, but Halls gets the trump card there. And Reeves is eating with his wife, and I'm eating with my significant other, and we bump into each other, and I'm like, "How's how's it going?" He goes, "Mike." We just have to get Lattimore. There's just no two ways about it. He's just different, and he will. He is the missing link for what we need. If we get him, it's this. If we don't, all these other guys are great, but we've got to get him. And they landed him. And you know, the, the story is legendary. Spurrier like danced in the mother or grandmother's living room or whatever. It was like like Steve, even going back to his days at Duke and Florida, was never big into recruiting. He's like, you get you assistance, you take care of that. I'll call the plays. I don't need to beg 17, 18-year-old kids to come to my – but he went all out on getting Lattimore because everybody told him, you've got to land this kid. You've got to. So they went all out, they got him, and the rest is history. Spurrier went to the – he never – Spurrier as a head coach had never been to a high school football game to scout a recruit. First time ever was Burns Marcus Lattimore. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and Marcus just kind of Marcus kind of grew up. That was a big, heavy Clemson. Uh, remember Willie Corn went to all those Burns players used to go to Clemson pretty pretty mm-hmm. heavily. Uh, and Clemson get, Dabo got rid of David Blackwell, and that was the assistant that sort of was the guy that recruited Burns. And Marcus was never really a Clemson guy. Um, Penn State people don't realize this, but Penn State actually could have if it was Penn State and Auburn, Penn State could have gotten him. Um, that's people didn't know that. They thought it was a binary choice between Carolina and Auburn. Penn State was uh, um, really in it. He loved Joe Pye, loved the, the, the campus, all that good stuff. But uh, Carolina got him, and uh, it's a shame what happened because um, I think he'd probably still be running in the NFL, maybe not. But I, And I'll say this, too. I know Marcus is doing his thing now. Uh, I love Marcus Lattimore. I, I think he's a tremendous human being. Um, I think he's following what's called his calling, which is what he's done his whole life. Uh, he's more than just a football player. He's a guy that really someday could change the world. I mean, I, I think that highly of him. Uh, and yeah, I knew him cause he's a Burns guy. He's from, from my, my hood, you know, my place I grew up. Right. But, uh, he is a, uh, he's still a fantastic human being, even though, you know, he's, he's doing writing poetry, doing spoken word, poetry, performing, writing, Really tapped into his uh, inner soul, um, and all that, um, you know. So, you know, I, I'm proud of Marcus as the person uh, and what he's doing and becoming, and the dreams he's chasing, just as much as I ever was of Marcus, the football player. So, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, he was uh, he was something to see. There's no doubt. Uh, it's funny all the all the my family that grew up. They will they'll and and probably like a lot of yours. I'm not in any, any exclusive club here. Uh, if you went to the University of South Carolina's football games, they will all say the same thing when George Rogers played. Boy, he was something to see. And uh, we will tell folks in the next couple of decades, our children's children and so on and so forth, when they ask about Marcus Lattimore, yeah, he was something to see. He was. Uh, he was worth the price of admission. So it is quite the honor, deserved uh, 2023 legend Marcus Lattimore. He'll be recognized at halftime officially at the SEC championship game. Uh, tonight on TV, 815 on Amazon Prime, the 1-4 Denver Broncos head to Arrowhead to take on the 4-1 Chiefs. 
Kansas City is a ten and a half point favorite. Hate the, the prime games. Game. Hate them. Yeah. Uh, because also, you can't you can't use your remote. You can't channel sw- swap. No. Because you got to log into Amazon Prime, which I have. I'm already paying for it. But like when a commercial break or something hits, and I want to check out something, of course I'll be all in on Braves tonight. But you you can't do it. It's too. You it's a pain in the ass. Like you, yeah, takes like yeah. five minutes to do that. So, not a big. I, I'm all in on the streaming universe and what I mean. Look, look at what what the platform we have now. We love it. I mean, we're it. It's it's the future. It's great. But the Amazon Prime watching a game on it is the most frustrating, annoying. Not to mention their audio sucks. And growing up, Al Michaels is to me on the Mount Rushmore of football play by play guys, but. Al has like mailed it in on those games. I, I mean, yeah, I, he, he is. Little, he, he sounds a little sleepy from time. Well, to time. he just has no tolerance for a bad game, but that's what they usually get. And he's just like, but that's when you really earn your money. Like I always tell young announcers, it's easier to call. It's easy to call the walk off. The hard part is is calling the the two hours where the game sucks, and you're still trying to come up with interesting stories and numbers and factoids. That's the real challenge of play-by-play. I can find a lot of high school announcers that can call a, a game-winning shot or touchdown or home run. Uh, but and, and then the chemistry with Al and Herbie, like it's just everything is just off. It's a weird, weird deal. But they spent a lot of Bezos's money to get it, and they've got it. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna push it through. If you do want a channel swap, by the way, tonight, as Mike said, back out of Amazon Prime, and then. Head into whatever you watch, YouTube TV or the ESPN app or something else. Virginia, West Virginia is at Houston uh, tonight at uh, 7 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. West Virginia is 3-0. Houston, the uh, the newbies in the Big 12 this year, 1-8 and eight combined. Uh, BYU has the one victory. The rest of them, they don't have a win. Houston trying to get there first. West Virginia, as I mentioned, a field goal favorite in Houston. If they do get the win, they'll move to 5-1, and 3-0 in the Big 12. A very manageable schedule left for Neil Brown to kind of turn the tide on his employment in uh, the state of West Virginia. Also at 7.30 on ESPN, SMU is at East Carolina. Mike Houston and East Carolina are really bad this year, and I thought they'd be better, but they're not. And uh, they're staring 1-5 in the face tonight. And as we all know, that will all be fine and dandy. We all love our football, and we will certainly check in from time to time. But it is actually, as Mike Morgan and I and uh, Mike Morgan and I discussed earlier, truly a must-win tonight for the Atlanta Braves, or your season is over. So, uh, Monty, if you're watching, call your boy Spencer and tell him to put his ass on the pony and ride him back into Atlanta because they need a great performance. This is going to Braves win, by the way, is my prediction. Hmm. So this is going to happen this weekend. Braves will win tonight, right? Send it back to Atlanta. I'll be all happy Saturday. I'll get up. It's a great sports day, potentially. Gators will win at a walk-off field goal. Braves will be Braves will be up 9 nothing after three innings. My day will be ruined. And then Notre Dame will destroy Southern Cal. My pick will be wrong. And I'll catch a lot of hell for it. And then I'll get drugged at the, Bra- the, the Bears watch party at noon the next day looking for hope. And the Vikings will beat him by three touchdowns. Well, that was a real depressing without <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Mike, Mike, I don't know how many times Jeez. I have to do this around here. I've, I, 
I said it a thousand times. Maybe you were right, JV. <laughs> I told you at the top of the show. Where's the Prozac? Can I get some? Like, I was just about to say, I'm like, my God, I'm reaching for a bottle shit. of something over here. Where's the tunnel? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, yeah. part of my friend. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Hey, man, I won, the, I won the lottery last night. Feline AIDS is the number one killer of domestic cats. That was another little stat from Debbie Downer. We can throw that in there. Hey, I'm just trying to, just trying to keep it real, right? No, I'm I'm joking with that, guys. I'm just, uh, I've decided to become the Eeyore of the show today. Gosh. Well, you're doing that reverse psychology. You're preparing yourself for the worst, but that then all the good stuff happens, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. I'm with perhaps, you. I'm, I'm feeling you on that. Keep your expectations low, and you'll never be disappointed. A guy that will be positive with you when you reach out to him and you need to do it if you or a loved one is in need of Medicare. You've got the AE period starting next week. So give Brian Spencer of Palmetto Medicare a phone call at 803-960-9484. That's for everybody in the state of South Carolina. He's been serving you since 2005. You can also check him out on the website palmetto-medicare.com. As always, we're thankful to Brian. A big reason why we have this power hour. And we're always happy to deliver, much like Brian does in the clutch. Brian, although Mike says you're not handsome, I have a beard. You have a beard that makes us bearded friends. We both look good, so forget about it. Uh, forget, forget about these guys. Yeah, the CrossFit beard makes you look guy, young and and tough and buff and the whole nine yards. I'll be gone tomorrow. I'll be there's Meredith in the chat box. Meredith and myself and uh, Scott Wingo. We're going to go win this Letterman's Golf Tournament tomorrow. Um, so we'll, I'll see you on Monday, but have no fear. Mad Dog and JC are here. So best of luck to all of you. JC will probably make you want to crawl back into bed. Mad Dog will do his best. <laughs> we'll do a full negative analysis of the 27 updated rankings released tomorrow. Oh, God. Tomorrow, I'm, glad I, I'm glad I won't be here. I mean, people are going to be jumping bridges because some dude in the middle of Nevada ranked some player four spots lower than he was. Holy moly. What's Coming up tomorrow, the care. top ten natural disasters that affected America. I tell you <laughs> Tune what, in I'll, on 11.30. Wingo, I'll get Wingo and Flint myself. Uh, we'll get in on the chicken cock early and we'll do an, up, we'll do an update around 1 o'clock here. Live Jeez. <laughs> That'll lighten the mood. <laughs> that sounds great. Oh, yeah, man. man. All right, thanks to Perry Orth, Chris Phillips, and the golden tones of the great Mike Morgan. Enjoy it, fellas. Phil, we'll see you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. You can take me back where I'm from.